This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. We begin with those catastrophic wildfires in Hawaii that are tearing a path through Maui, leaving behind widespread destruction. The death toll has risen. The fast-moving flames have turned this colorful tropical paradise into black smoke, ash, and soot. At least 53 people have been killed, and an unknown number are missing. President Biden proved a major disaster declaration for Hawaii. County officials say the fire near Lahaina is 80% contained. I don't know how many of my tens of thousands of miles I've traveled through war zones. I don't know anybody who would not wonder whether or not what these veterans have seen caused caused post-traumatic stress. It's enormous. It's an enormous problem. Taxpayers are saying... There's a better way to spend that money. What is your response to that? Well, I think to the contrary. When I'm, when I'm in the streets, people are saying, you know, hey, brother, you, you're doing your thing. You know, um, not one child or family slept on the streets of the city of New York. That was our number one mission. We can't have children out on the street. Now you have many, no matter what you do in life. I mean, this is New York, 8.8 million people, 35 million opinions. Everyone can sit in the bleachers and say, I should have thrown a better fastball. Right. But come on, this hill. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yes, step Every, on the mound. <laughs> right. right. Every day we are juggling where we're going to find another place so that human beings don't sleep on the street. You hear this all the time. It's not the 80s anymore. I think I've heard that Joe Stone a hundred times. It's not the 80s anymore. In the 80s, they would kill you. They wouldn't care. They'd hurt you bad for a couple of dollars. So I know I keep hearing that it's not the 80s anymore. It's kind of like it's not your father's crime family anymore. I guess since since John died, they're still active. The idea the mafia is dead is beyond ridiculous. They are still very, very active, but it's just not the same, I guess. No, you're right. It, it, what it is now is just another crime you know, organized crime uh, uh, entity. Just like, uh, you know, if you've got to be worried, you better be worried about the Albanians, <laughs> the Russians. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's who you want to be worried about. The most talented young guy in Hollywood today, Danny A. So the movie is, you know, I did a movie called The Iceman and uh, Ray Liotta played in peace. Yep. Um, played Roy DeMille, and I was just obsessed with the character, and I really wanted to kind of figure out how to do it. Um, and when I decided to play him, I had to gain weight. I had to really do it, and me directing and acting in it was not easy. Um, but I took it on, and like you said, it was in March of last year, and it was it was uh, it was surreal because now we're here.
You're all right. Well said, Danny A. This is your mob-themed Friday on your favorite talk show in New York City by a mile. News talk by a mile. Sitting friends in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Happy Friday. Happy summer weekend. lot in there. Hawaii. My God, now 55 dead, over 1,000 missing. It's a mess. And uh, you heard from Eric Adams. At this point, and I still like the guy, I do. But at this point, to me, Eric Adams, it's like the uh, Charlie Brown stuff. Remember that? You just talk, wah, 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 wah. I don't even listen anymore. I have no idea what he's saying. And he talked about uh, no kids on the street, there are plenty. No people on the streets, there are plenty. <laughs> you know, no migrants here, there are plenty. So he talks, and we play the cuts, and shows up at some restaurant and ends up in page six, sometimes with folks who even work here. But uh, to me, it's at this point, he's become a sound bite. You know, for example, last night, I met a bunch of uh, really great people. I didn't meet them. I knew them already. And it was in Rockaway. My friend Mary Glynn happens to run the Rockaway Republican Party. And uh, at Joe and Mary Harkin's house, gorgeous home. And we had a bunch of folks there last night, probably a 100 people in uh, Joe's backyard, to listen to some of the candidates, Republican candidates, running for city council. People like Daniela May spoke last night. She's running in District 31 against Majority Whip Salvina Brooks Powers. People like Rusat Ramgopal, District 28, very, very tough race, running against Adrian Adams, he spoke last night. My friend Tom Sullivan, who won his race against Stacey Pfeiffer Amato, but was the victim, was the victim of a rigged election. He spoke last night. He's going to run again probably in 2024. My friend Paul King, who ran the great race, lost to Gregory Meeks in Queens. And his lovely wife, Margaret Powers, he's probably going to run again, too, in 2024. All these great people spoke, and every one of them, every one of them mentioned Mayor Eric Adams. They did because no one believes him anymore. Nobody cares that he's probably better than de Blasio, his heart's in the right place, his intentions are good. Now, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I sent him a text, and I said, listen, I'm about done with you. And he sent me back a text right away. And it's very nice. Very, very nice. He usually is. I'm coming on this week. That was like three weeks ago. I don't care. I don't care. I get the best ratings on this station, in this city, by a mile. I don't need Eric Adams to get good ratings. I don't need Donald Trump. I don't need anybody. I can sit here with my guys, play good music, talk about the important subjects for four hours, and get a six. Don't need them. Ain't going to beg, don't care. But for three weeks, he's been jerking me around. Fabian Levy's going to call you. So I just don't, you know, I play the cuts, and they mean nothing. The guy that really tells the truth is Curtis Sliwa. That's why Curtis Sliwa's on this program, 7.05 every weekday morning, because... He's unafraid. He tells the truth. I don't trust anybody in this city. I don't. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't trust any Democrat in this city. I love John Katsimatidis. He knows that. And Margot, I love him. 
He has done an unbelievable job at this station. He hosts two great shows. He's allowed me, which I'll always love him for, to flourish, giving me the freedoms that I need. But if I hear him say common sense Democrat one more time, I'm going to vomit my food. They don't exist. There's like two of them. And they're both retired. Governor David Patterson was going to the Met game with me and Anthony Corona on Monday night. And maybe one other. That's it. They don't exist. Common sense Democrats. There's no such thing. The Democrat Party's philosophies are anything but common sense. So I spent about an hour and a half last night late. I'm tired. Thought I feel great this morning, but an hour and a half last night with these people on a gorgeous night in New York, and it was great. And I'm telling you, man, they've had enough of this mayor. They've had enough of this city council. They don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear a guy who said, hey, we're a sanctuary city. Hey, come one, come all, baby. I'm here for you. Hey, I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. And even when Adams tries to get tough with the president, he never does. Never. He walks up to the line, and where Sid Rosenberg would hit him with a bat, he retreats. The federal government needs, uh, they need to help me. Not Joe Biden. Do you know there's a story in today's New York Post that Eric Adams has now gone to the White House 36 times, 36, asking for money. You know what he got? Dick. Not even that. (laughs) Maybe that would have been good. Got dick 36 times. (laughs) That's exactly what they do. They laugh at him. Did you see, uh, Noam Lane, did you see this story in today's New York Post? That the Biden of Brooklyn went to the Biden of D.C. 36 times, and they've given him nothing. Yeah. And Arthur Idala was on this show a couple of days ago, the famed defense attorney. Maybe, maybe he did it purposely. Maybe he stuck his foot in his mouth. But he said, and I quote, I spoke to a big-time official, part of Adams' administration, in City Hall, and they made it very clear they're not giving a penny to Eric Adams or New York City till after, after the 2024 election. Folks, could you imagine another 16 months of this? That's what I heard. You heard it too, Noam. Yeah, do you, I saw this accounting, if it's correct, right? I don't, I can't confirm it's correct, but the city is saying that it costs $353 a day. That's correct. To take care of a family, give them the meals, put them in a hotel. Nine million dollars. Right. So if you, and then you multiply that by what is there? 53,000 in our care today. So when he comes up with that $4 billion number, it sounds like it's accurate. Oh yeah, it's accurate. I mean, if anything, it may be more. It's certainly not less. It is accurate and it is scary. I mean, what the hell was the uh, the mayor talking about yesterday anyway? When she was on CBS News, what show was that? No, I, I you know I saw the interview. I don't know what show it was on. Was it uh, like the news? News or Gail King? I know. I think it was. I think it was the news. But I, no, I'm it's not. not I'm right. It was Gail King. It was okay. Yeah, the CBS Morning Show. You know, Gail loves him, you know. And he talked about, he keeps asking Biden, because he is the Biden of Brooklyn, you suck up to the guy, you actually take his name, and he gives you nothing. You look like a fool. You look like a fool. 
Here's uh, Eric Adams, cut number 16 on CBS News yesterday, saying, I keep asking for money. How much are you asking for? What are you asking the government for? In terms of dollars, how much are you asking? Well, in the three years, this is a $12 billion price tag. So yeah, far, right. we have $100 million, a little over $100 million that we received. This is their issue. This is a national issue, and it should be treated as such. Then he starts to you know, blame everybody about this migrant crisis. I, I made this very clear yesterday. There were no issues, not even in Texas. Sorry, Noam. There were no issues with migrants the four years that Donald Trump was the president. Remain in Mexico was a great policy. Title 42 was still in place. We were building a wall, and we were actually, actually tightening the borders. There were no issues, zero, and certainly nothing here in New York. This is not about immigration reform. That is a completely different conversation. But when you can't get it done, if you can blame somebody else, especially a Republican, then you do that. You know what that's called? Cowardice. Cowardice. I can't fix it. The Republicans screwed up. Well, then you explain to me how four years under a Republican president, we didn't have any of these issues, any of them. But Adams continues to talk about how this is a much bigger issue, a lot of blame to go around. He's just wrong. Eric Adams, CBS News, cut number 20. There's a lot of blame to go around. Again, uh, yeah. uh, the Republicans have been blocking Again, real immigration reform. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing that FEMA is using dollars on the southern border. Uh, to enough of this. Allow- uh, here's another one, 22. He says the same thing, talking about immigration reform. I can't wait to talk to Brian Kilmeade about this coming up at 645. When Eric Adams starts every sentence about this issue and mentions Republicans, you know. He's full of shizzle. He said a couple of days ago, stop asking me about it. Well, you're the mayor. What do you want to ask, Sid? Lou? Gnome? Who should we ask, Eric? Cut number 22. The faucet is uh, flowing. We have to stop the flow faucet. We have to make sure we have a real decompression <laughs> strategy at Jesus. the border. And we have to ensure that we have real immigration reform because no. it's gonna, going to continue. It's not sustainable when you look at 10000 a month. Uh, the math just doesn't, does not add up. <laughs> really? <laughs> like you can do the math anyway. <laughs> Let's say I, it did add up. You I, think you can do it? <laughs> I, when I look at my abacus, that does not come out to 18,000. Make this up. I, I would think the numbers are just not there. Yeah. I, I, I just, oh, I don't yeah. know. I uh... handle. Yeah. Hey, uh, Noam, give me the, the latest two. I did mention the very, very top. The disaster in Hawaii. What's the latest news there? So it's 55 dead, but they think that death toll will go up. Uh, the tourists, this historic tourist area in Maui that so many people from the tri-state know well because they honeymoon there, vacation there. A lot of it. But just... you know that Frank Marone's brother actually was married there. Oh, you're kidding. No. Well, unfortunately. And that place was wiped out. Yeah, it's it's almost essentially all gone. Overnight, uh, they had crews with cadaver dogs going into these buildings, so they really just don't know who's alive, who's not. There was a time period where cell service was down, so they weren't able to communicate. Now, thankfully, apparently, uh, people are getting cell service; they're able to communicate. But it's just it's just a nightmare. Jeez, it sounds awful. What uh, what's the latest with the the guy in Utah? 
who the FBI shot a couple of days ago, the guy who's been spending years threatening Joe Biden and others in the Democrat Party. I, I think I saw that at one point he pointed a gun at the FBI. What's the latest there? You know, there's not a lot of transparency, uh, transparency on this story. We don't have a lot of details. What we do know is kind of from the neighbors. Uh, one neighbor said that, you know, they heard the commotion, saw smoke coming from the house. But another neighbor describing him as a teddy bear kind of a guy. This is this was her exact quote, I think. He was a teddy bear kind of guy who took care of his son who was blind but had a gun probably under his pillow when he went to sleep at night. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That sounds a bit rough, no? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, one more uh, kind of a local story out on Long Island, uh, Fire Island. You know, I saw a story a couple of days ago in the New York Post where somebody, and it wasn't an accident, did it on purpose. They crashed their car into a house and ended up on the second floor of the house sticking outside a bedroom window. Well, there was a crash on Fire Island yesterday. Yeah. What is that all about? So they're also piecing this story together. It's a remote island that has just a couple houses on it. This uh, boater uh, shoots off into the dock in uh, next to the house. Nobody at home. One person, they were out fluke fishing, I guess. One guy was killed, unfortunately, in the accident. The other guy said he was probably knocked out for hours. When he came to, he searched for a phone. He called cops. The cops didn't even know where he was. They couldn't figure it out out at first because it's so remote this island eventually they were able to get to him and uh he will be okay but they don't know really know what caused this crash the the likely thought is it was speed but they're not sure yet wow <laughs> crazy huh yeah, totally crazy all right Noam, thank you we'll go back to Noam uh, as we do often throughout the program we've got a great guest list today we're still adding people in the nine o'clock hour the guys that have been confirmed so far today include Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Joseph Takapina, Andrew Giuliani. But again, we continue to add before we wrap things up at 10 o'clock this morning. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Movie day, folks. Inside Man opens in theaters all across the country today, as well as on demand. And we're all heading out after the show, including Bo Deedle, to the Kemp Theater in Brooklyn for an 11.50 a.m. showing of Inside Man. More on that as well. The Friday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning rolls on. Morning, 77 WABC. Pretty women out walking with gorillas down my street. 
Jackson, 628 on your Friday morning. So you know when we play these songs, especially in the first hour. Later on in the program, we're just kind of picking music, mostly Lou, a lot me. But usually in the first hour, if we play a song, it's a tribute to a person either celebrating a birthday or the other extreme, dead. I don't think Joe Jackson is dead, so... He must be celebrating a birthday, is that right, Lou? He, he's not dead, thank goodness. Yes. That's good. He's uh, six. I just figured out he's 69. Okay, good. That's the first person in a long time, not in their 70s. In their 70s. <laughs> or 80s. Hopefully we didn't jinx him because <laughs> he's a great uh, musician. I've seen him a number of times. Have you? Oh, yeah. What was the last venue you saw Joe Jackson? That uh, The Cutting Room. Oh, good one. Yes. On Park Avenue? Yes. No We've done show, you know, me and Bernie, God rest his soul, did our first comedy show there. Yeah. Good place. And then I actually, when I first got to New York back in 2016, even before me and Bernie did our show, I think Leslie Slender, the uh, great sales lady we've got, I think she had to deal with those guys. And I believe I saw Curtis and Kobe do a show there at the cutting room. Wow. But the, the show that me and Bernie did was such a mess because it was easily... A thousand degrees outside easily, and there was no way see in the place. No. So I distinctly remember Scott Stanford, who was still doing sports on Channel Eleven. That's he's good, very good. Now he does some podcast with uh, Sookie. He used to work at Channel Five, but he interviewed me and Bernie before the show from the cutting room, and he played it that night on the sports because we talked Yankees too. So. I was sweating like Joe Biden talking about the economy. I mean, I was it was a mess. And that's how I remember about the cutting room. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of my friends perform there, uh, the guys who do the Sinatra stuff. Tony Darrow, for example, performed there a couple of weeks ago. So did Sal Maglio. So it's a nice place, and uh, so you saw him there. That's I good. saw him a number of times. He's a real great musician. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. So sitting to my left, talking about amazing, is uh, Mr. Peerless Boilers himself. Peerless Boilers, they build the world's best boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. He's my dear friend Pete Morgan. Now, last time I saw Peter was a couple of weeks ago when uh, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe met me at Giants training camp. And uh, Pat Hanlon and the Giants, very nice to me that day, allowed me the opportunity to interview Giants starting tight end Darren Waller, Giants starting defensive back Adoree Jackson, and Giant wide receiver Paris Campbell. Did some live interviews, and then afterwards, the five of us, or the four of us, no, the five of us, went over to a diner. Now, you know my favorite diner in the world is George Liberato's place, Oasis Diner, Flappish Avenue in Brooklyn. But we went to a diner not far, I think in Lindhurst. Lindhurst, yeah. Not far from the stadium. What was the name of that diner, Pete? Do you remember? The Colonial. That's right. So it turns out the guy, Jim, at the Colonial Diner chased me 
When we left to the parking lot. Yes. To tell me that he loves his show and listens every day. And and to get a picture, I guess. He got a picture, too, yes. That's right. right. In yeah. the old days, it would have been, uh, the bill is uh, here. Right, right. Come, no, come Danielle back. paid the bill, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but we were there for Giants. That's funny, though. They have a Giant training camp, and tonight the Giants kick off their preseason in Detroit against the upstart Lions. Are you excited about that? Yeah, I guess a little you bit. You are. You're going to watch some of it, right? Sure. Absolutely. What are your expectations for the Giants this year? Ten. Ten wins? Yeah, they have a very tough, very tough schedule. That's high. What do you think? Eight? Can they, well, they didn't beat the Eagles or the Cowboys at all last year. Yeah. They went 0-4. Yeah. Nine and eight. Yeah. Ten and If Daniel Jones plays as well as he did last year, and one of these wide receivers, the kid from Tennessee, Hyatt, yeah. Paris Campbell, one of these guys steps up and Waller stays healthy, they can win ten. The, the size of Waller. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. He's a monster. Impressive human being, And what being, a right? sweet guy. Very nice guy. They're took pictures with the kids. Really nice. Yeah. Took pictures with your kids. Oh, yeah. shit. I, I, I took the pictures. Yes, I and know. So did, so did Danielle. We had great stuff. Yeah. But there's a shot we took uh, just for the size. I'm, I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm yeah. you know, like six one and a half, whatever. This Waller makes me look like a midget. I know. He was like He's like six five maybe. And a, and a at built least. beautifully. And the wingspan. Huge. Yeah. And a great-looking guy. He's had some serious personal problems, crack cocaine, derailed him for a couple of years in between his days in Baltimore and Las Vegas. But seemingly he's matured, he's good to go, and a lovely guy. And if he can stay healthy, he had consecutive 1,000-yard seasons now. That was back in 19 and 20. But if he can give us some of that, yeah, that can get us to 10 wins. And if you really want to stretch it, Playing again inside a very tough uh, division, maybe eleven, but that's unlikely. Uh, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, uh, Jets going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, I know a few people in the building quite well and for a long time, and w- one guy in particular told me, and I trust this guy in, like nobody's business. He said Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. His public persona leading up to coming to the Jets has been. Nonsense. He's just a great guy. Yeah. A good teammate. Teaches the kids the whole bit. And he's he's never seen a guy throw into such small windows. Oh, he's great. Come he's on. He's unbelievable. Right. Come on. And so, he, I mean, they he, got a really good defense. I could see them, you know. They're going to win 12 or 13 games. I could see them winning yeah, a dozen 100%. games. Mm-hmm. If he stays healthy, and look, he, he made people forget about Brett Favre. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever, very quickly. Yeah. And you're right. they got a great defense. they got a great receiving core. Garrett Wilson's a beast. They're going to be really good. And, and all this nonsense about the LSD and and uh, he's going to Taylor Swift concerts and he's going to the Ranger game, the Nick game. Who cares? I think it's The guy great. is easily a top ten quarterback ever. And, easily. And, and it's great that he came in here and just jumped right in. Right. Would you like, you like it better if you didn't pay attention to New York? No. What do they want here? Exactly. He's going to be great. Uh, Pete Morgan will be here all morning long. Again, great guests, including Brian Kilmeade from Fox News coming up next. And our first look at traffic, talking about Jets with uh, Joe Nolan. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC Minicast Clip of the Day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's Minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show. Here Rita talks about something we very rarely talk about on this station, the migrants. 
New York City has about a 100 thousand migrants. And the new numbers are basically saying that influx of about maybe 10,000 or so a month is going to just keep on coming. And if not, it's going to get even bigger. So at what point do we just say enough? We are already hearing now from many different individuals and we're hearing from people in communities and elsewhere, essentially making statements and saying, you know what, we don't want it in our neighborhood. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. He's literally breathing down. He's breathing down my neck. It's the the man, the myth, Pete Morgan. Peerless Boilers, Pavilion Techless Water Eaters. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontechless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's. Best built boilers, and uh, we're going to start here. It sends a Hall of Fame game with the NFL from last week. The NFL did kick off its preseason slate last night with two games. The Texans beat the Patriots 20-9 in our first look at quarterback C.J. Stroud in a Houston uniform before the Seahawks bested the Vikings by a score of 24-13 to wrap up the night's action. Locally, the Giants will open their preseason schedule in Detroit against the Lions. Uh, that kickoff is set for tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Jets fans will have to wait until tomorrow to get another look at Gang Green. They're set to get underway in Carolina against the Panthers at 4 p.m. tomorrow night. Wouldn't expect Aaron Rodgers to get a snap, let alone even suit up, but we shall see. And now look at the world of baseball, where both the Mets and Yankees, they were off yesterday. They'll both be back at it tonight with the Yanks in Miami at 6.40 p.m. Uh, for the first of three against the Marlins. The Yanks have yet to name a starter to go against Miami's Jesus Lazardo. As for the Mets, they're getting set to welcome in the NL East division arrival and first place Atlanta Braves for four games set. First pitch for game one is tonight at 7.10 p.m. with the Mets sending Tyler McGill out there against Atlanta's Charlie Morton Sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Find a deal under you for the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellicott, 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. You know, of course, Brian Kilmeade stops by once a week, does a tremendous job following me every weekday morning here on WABC at 10 o'clock. Also, one of the three big stars every morning, Fox and Friends on Fox News, and his own great show, One Nation, Saturday nights at 8. Now, last week, I was on Lawrence Jones Cross Country Show at 9, so I watched a lot of Brian Kilmeade show from the truck parked outside my front door where I did the uh, actual appearance for Lawrence Jones from. But it is a great show, so let's start right there, Brian Kilmeade. Who's coming up on the big show One Nation tomorrow night? Well, if if you want to get smarter... Uh, if you want to get smarter, Jordan Peterson. As you know, he's probably one of the most popular speakers in the country, Canadian uh, by birth, but an American in every sense of the word. Uh, we uh, do this is part one of a two-part feature. We just sat down for 30 minutes. You know, he's not a 
he takes the big questions of the country. If anyone wants to look them up and find out what they're in for, you're going to be fascinated by that conversation. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to have Carl Rove on to break down 2024. Uh, also, I'm going to talk about things turning for the better, Sid. I'm somewhat optimistic about some things going on, and that is the backlash on Megan Rapino. That is... We have Bowman, Congressman Bowman, standing up saying the President Biden's got to get it together on the border. This immigration thing is hurting this city, even though he's talking politics, not what's good for the country. I will take it. Uh, pushback on crime. We watch with these uh, store owners getting up, beating up some of these criminals, not taking it anymore. And also, it's no longer cool to take a knee. I mean, we watched DeMarcus Ware, instead of taking a knee in the national anthem, seeing the so-called black national anthem, singing our national anthem at the Pro Football Hall of Fame with both sides out there with their hand over their hearts. So I think, and when you look at cancel culture, which seems to be somewhat failing when you watch uh, this pop singer come out uh, and push back and say, I don't think five- and six-year-olds that want to switch genders is a good thing, and when he was forced to apologize, he reversed it. And you look at Dave Chappelle and others. So I think the America is sobering up. So that's going to be one of the themes I'm going to build on. Also, Zuby's going to be out here, another deep thinker. If people know and been following him online, uh, you'll hear from him. That sounds like a great show, and I do love uh, all the things you just mentioned. I watched the former Dallas Cowboy great DeMarcus Ware last weekend and Megan Rapinoe, that nonsense, and, you know, all of sports like you do. So Giants, in fact, uh, set to start their preseason schedule against the Lions later on tonight. So I, I do love all that stuff. I am surprised, though, with all those great, all that great content coming up on One Nation tomorrow night that you did not find time to talk about Inside Man, my new movie, hitting theaters all across America today. Right. Um, my bad. And someone's <laughs> going to get fired. Uh, that is... That you know, all, all, kidding is totally aside, oh, wait a second. all kidding aside, you son of a bitch, between you and Waters and uh, Piero on uh, the, the, the Five Show, all my great buddies at Fox News, not one person, not one person puts on the guy who hosts the number one radio show in the biggest media market in the world. I'm not the lead but I got a big enough part in a major motion picture, and not one of you guys, my good buddies at Fox News, found a spot for me. Very, very disappointing. Right. Um, again, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if everybody got fired here for missing this. I would not be surprised if there's an entire oh new lineup yeah. on Monday well, because it's the only way to send the right message. I think you're right. Time right? to get rid of this folks. Guy's, this guy's tough. Get out. Hey, uh, or, you know, it's more important if everyone listening right now went and saw the movie and if everyone at Fox saw the movie rather than just have you on to talk about the movie. Oh, so I should be prepared to get a call from Taylor sometime early next week after you see the movie this weekend, yes? I would not doubt that Taylor's going to call you because <laughs> Taylor's an ex extremely big fan of Sid Rosenberg. Well, I'm surprised you have not recruited her to your staff. Well, how do you know I haven't? <laughs> well, that's true, too. It's Things, money. Right. There's Let's a process. It's a process, Brian. Kind of like uh, what's going on yeah. in New York City. I mean, I know you talked about this yesterday, but Arthur Idala, my dear friend, the, uh, the famed defense attorney, I'm not sure if he did it on purpose or put his foot in his mouth, but he admitted to me the other day that while having these discussions with folks at City Hall, somebody said to him, that Eric Adams can go to the president a hundred times. We know not today. It's been 36 times begging for money. He needs billions. According to him, somebody in Adams' administration said, Biden has said he ain't getting a penny 
This city is not getting a penny until Biden finishes the 2024 election. So it's very nice that Mr. Sanctuary City, I'm Mr. Santa, I care about folks. Now all of a sudden, he's coming to the realization, the mayor, that this ain't all that good. But he did refer to himself as the Biden of Brooklyn for a long time. And now the Biden of Brooklyn is getting screwed by the real Joe Biden. Because, again, according to this source, no money until after the 2024 election. Your thoughts? It's unbelievable that, you know, the, the whole thing about being friends with Biden, you thought would pay off at some point. I guess unless you're Hunter and you're, and you're an Ukrainian prosecutor, you don't pay the price. I guess you, unless you're a the wife of the mayor of Moscow, you don't get any remuneration. What is the good about being friends with Biden, kissing his butt at the same time when New York needs him most? And by the way, Democrats everywhere, he is actually throwing us uh, in the street. Not interested in dealing with the problem he caused. I mean, the president caused this problem. Border cities, he loves when border cities get overwhelmed. Hey, Arizona, have at it. I still want it. Hey, Texas, I'll never win it. You guys deal with it. They never thought that Governor Abbott was going to start putting people on buses and, and Governor DeSantis and saying, hey, why don't you go to a better place? This is the middle of nowhere. And they all got on. And now $9.8 million a day. You have millions every month, billions every year, and nobody there to help. I'm saying it's unbelievable that they don't see the benefit in helping a a mayor of New York City, a city that where all his supporters are. Look, he's not going to lose this city, but he's uh, he's making people look around and saying, how bad are these policies that the people that make them don't even stand behind them and won't even bail out a political friend in a time of a massive crisis? Do you know anybody, people listening to us right now, know that Randall's Island on the weekend has literally 20 hours of action on these fields, all different sports, uh, even you know, you, they'll play rugby for the most part, it's youth soccer. So you're talking about hundreds of kids who were told, go find someone else to play. Kids in the city have to now have away games that are home. And you know what? There's not many things to do in New York City. Can they put on a uniform and stay busy? Would you rather them just hang out in gangs? Instead, they build these 10 cities on the most active fields in New York. And Adam says, well, it's not my decision. A guy I trust made that decision. Yeah, hard to believe. He also said, uh, don't come at me. Uh, it's not Mayor Adams' problem. It's basically yours. And if you want to fix it, Brian Kilmeade, Sid Rosenberg, get involved. I don't want to get involved, Mayor. That's your job. So quite simply, we, we talk about Trump and Biden, this big election coming up. We know the issues. Bidenomics is not working. Yes, inflation is down, but interest rates are strangling America. Can't get money. Can't buy a house. The economy is still a disaster, a recession probably down the road. We know about the wars all over the world, including Ukraine and Russia. There are serious, serious issues that Biden is doing a terrible job with. That's great for Donald Trump. But this issue right here, the migrants in New York City, City. The migrants in all of these blue cities, blue states, the migrants, the homeless, the crime, but the migrants. Do you believe, Brian, that'll be a huge issue and a huge plus for Donald Trump and the Republicans come 2024? Or is it mostly a local issue? I don't. I've said that I'm so glad you brought that up. 
I think there's about two dozen Democratic lawmakers, and I asked Chip Roy this yesterday. I'm like, instead of just asking Republicans to support you, do you see what's happened with Democrats who are stepping up to the president? Uh, not as loud as you would think, but they are stepping up, and I think it's going to be a huge issue. But the number one issue that Republicans have to tackle, preventing them from taking the House, keeping the House, and the, getting the White House, is abortion. I mean, in Ohio, which is firmly red these days, they voted to make sure the Republicans did not make it a 60-vote threshold to prevent abortion in that state. We saw this in bright red Kansas. People want 15 weeks. I think that's a compromise. People who are pro-life have to understand Republicans will not win another major election in any type of purple area, like and states like Pennsylvania and Arizona, if they don't have uh, a threshold, a 15-week, yep. yep. 6 yep. to 15-week threshold. I and, agree. And, yeah. and as Ann Coulter said it, they're going to lose everything. Yeah. So your issue, believe it or not, will be number two to the other one, even though a very small portion of the, of the public is really, uh, is really affected. Uh, there's no question you're right, and, and we know that because we've already seen results. You go back to Election Day 2022 when people like Jesse Waters I were know. saying, we're getting 53, we're getting 54, and for the most part, it was a colossal disappointment, and it was all because of one issue, which you just mentioned, abortion. That's why a guy like Mike Pence is a ridiculous candidate because he's so pro-life, he's so... Staunch when it comes to that. No one's going to take him seriously, even if they like the rest of his policies. So I think you're right. So, again, I know you talked about 15 weeks. What can the Republicans do to ensure that at least, at least, their policy is somewhat savory? I just love what Rubio said. Rubio's running. He's got a tough race with Val Demings. And he said, look, I'm pro-life, but my state isn't. My state wants 15 weeks, and I have not heard any clamor to lessen it. It's supposed to be a state issue now. That's what the whole ruling was, overturning Roe. So I'm going to stay there. And he did. And he didn't pay the price. And he's still pro-life. And, you know, I, I just don't there, – there's a – there's in this life, there's what you want and what's possible. You have to go for what's possible. You know, well, it would be perfect to get this. If I can't get perfect, I'm done. Well, the whole problem with our government is if you don't get everything, they don't do any deals at all. Now, I know you're talking about the life of the baby and this is abortion. They always told us, Sid, when you were doing sports, and the first thing they said to me is, whatever you do, don't talk about abortion. You can't win. That's right. Well, now, since the overturn of the Dobbs decision, we cannot talk about, not, not talk about it. So having said that, I don't love talking about it. But when it comes to the election, you have to look at the country you're in and understand where, okay, and who I represent. You're there to represent people. You're not there for you. You're there to represent people. I know you got values and ethics, but you have to look around and say, look, if I want Democratic votes like DeSantis got, you know, uh, that, that Reagan got, uh, I, I got to represent the people. I got to give a set of ideas that people can deal with, even if they don't embrace all of them. And, and I think when Ann Coulter came out, look, and Noah's vehemently pro-life, she said, listen, if the Republicans ever want to win another election, so I thought Ohio was was big, and I, but I also thought Congressman Bowman coming out saying this is immigration is a disaster for Democrats backs up what you were saying. So and Alex, I got to give you credit too. A year ago, you said Trump's still the guy; he's going to be leading. I did not think that this would be anything more than a, maybe a five point race either way. I had no idea 
that Sid, you were as bright as you are. Maybe you didn't know. <laughs> no, I didn't know. To I, have it. Maybe you don't know how great yeah. you are. Is there a chance you don't know how great you are? <laughs> no, it's true. I, probably I, not. I, no, right? I, probably not. I mean, I, I thought like you that he would have uh, maintain a bit of a lead. But this uh, goes to show you two things, really, on the way out here, is, yes, a lot of folks miss Donald Trump. But secondly, secondly, they are so depressed about what's going on with this current administration and this country that they're scared to death to give it to a rookie manager, and the rookie manager in this case is DeSantis. Yes, great job in Florida. Don't get me wrong. Florida's one state. So things are so bad that, yes, we miss Trump, but we are deathly afraid to give this mess to a guy that's never done it. That's why Trump still has a monstrous lead, on top of the fact that oh, DeSantis wait, has Sid, no personality. Wait a second. Sid, if there, was no, if there was no Trump, who would you be for? Tim Scott. Okay. You would not. You were never a DeSantis guy. I'm no, no, still no. A Listen, big I, believer in him. I like him, and uh, I like him a lot. I love the fact that he fired that lawmaker in Florida this week. Uh, I like what he's awesome. done. Yeah, he's great. Now, I, now, all kidding aside, it would not be Tim Scott. I wanted to make sure that people don't call me a racist. Uh, it would be DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> but but Trump is there. Trump I is love there. Tim Scott, too. Yeah, yeah, I like Tim Scott, too. But but Trump is there, and uh, I'm taking the guy that got me to the dance once before. I'm going back with Donald Trump. Well, you know, January 2nd, they're pushing for a January 2nd trial. Then they got March with Alvin Bragg, and then they got May for the documents, in theory. Can you imagine? They say, you know, the legal experts say if he loses that trial in D.C. on January 6th when he wants the trial to start, if this judge does it and the punisher convicts him and the jury is poisoned by, he already said it's a hellhole, D.C., so he's poisoning the jury against himself. He's going after the judge. He's going after Jack Smith, calls him deranged. So if he gets convicted, he goes to jail. He could still run, but he will actually, in four to five weeks, if this trial starts January 2nd and he gets convicted, even though eventually it's going to be reversed on appeal, he will go to jail. Does that does that blow your mind? Yeah, it makes me nauseous. It really, really makes me nauseous, and it just goes to a further show that all this is is election interference. Now, you're going to have a hard time convincing folks that hate Donald Trump of that, but if he goes to jail, i got news for you. It's good news. I've been running Trump all along, all these indictments. If he goes to jail, the sympathy vote will even increase. So while Democrats sit around, Joe and Mika and all your friends, and they think all this is great, these morons haven't figured out every time they do this, every time he gets more donor money and uh, and a larger lead. So do what you got to do. If it means going to jail for a couple of days, that's not going to derail him. Donald Trump will be president in 2024. Write it down. Well, I, I think it's hard to doubt Sid, especially now that you're a movie star. <laughs> Because movie stars know everything. That's right. Um, so, like, that. dark show hosts that study all day, they don't know anything. But movie stars, uh, you know, they are the ones Damn right. uh, with great tans and with nice builds. They know stuff. You're right. Well, listen, so again, again, we're going to go like everyone is either going to go on probation or be fired for not booking you. But the inside man is going to be a big hit on its own merits. They don't need a lot of promotion. Well, you're right about that. It's a fascinating story. I know you know all about the presidents. You're, you're great with that. But I think most folks are curious about the mob, too. And Roy DeMeo, you know, another guy, by the way, from Massapequa, he killed about 200 people. He blows away Rex Uriman, Joe Rifkin, all those guys. Uh, and his uh, his crew did some serious work in Brooklyn. So hopefully you can catch the movie at some point this weekend. Either way, Brian Kilmeade, as always, spectacular appearance. I'll be watching One Nation tomorrow night. 
Thank you so much. Hey, congratulations on your great ratings again. Keep it up. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. There he is, 10 a.m. every weekday right after me. Fox and Friends every morning on Fox News and One Nation, 8 p.m. Fox News on Saturday nights. My good buddy, great guy, Brian Kilmeade. We've got more, including Curtis Lewa, coming back with our number two. I got to tell you, uh, you're going to be very, very happy when you yeah. see the movie. I, 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 I was telling your friend, it, it took a lot to uh, explain to you a little bit of what the, the process is. It's not radio yes. and hitting your marks and things like that. But once you're actually on um, and, and, you, and you start doing your thing, you, you, you do a very, very, Thank very you. good job. And yeah. it's not a little role. It's actually a pretty big role, a substantial <laughs> so, role. Well, you did teach me. So, so for example, I'm a bartender, right? So, and he, this guy goes on to become a killer at night. Bartender during the day, killer at night. They called him Dracula. He's the first cousin of Roy DeMeo. So, right when they called on me to do a line, I was ready. But as Danny was teaching me, and he was a very good teacher, while I'm not speaking, I still have to be doing stuff. That really shows what the role is. So, from a bartender, cleaning the glasses, or making drinks, and I wouldn't do that. I would just stand there and look at the scene like, oh, wow, this is cool. He's like, no, Sid, you're a bartender. Bartender. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so so, there was a couple of times where Danny had to explain that to me. To me, that was really valuable information, so thank you. No, of course. I mean, that's my job. I, look, if I was going to give you a role and I, we were going to do this and I understood your passion and I realized that this is something that you really wanted, first of all, I want you to succeed. The, the most important thing is that you come off and understand that it, it looks great. And... You know, just staying in the character is the most important thing because the camera starts on you and then it continues to go to other characters and you're in the background. you got to continue to play what you are. Right, right. Uh, and that was very important. But I, again, I, I, I'm telling you, you're going to be very, very happy. Come on, baby. That's Danny A. Who actually uh, wrote part of Inside Man, produced it, directed it. He plays the star, Roy DeMeo. And again, at about 10.15 this morning, about 40 of us, including Bo Deedle and his beautiful Margot, 
Peter Cordio from Gravesend, about 35 listeners, all heading to the Kent Theater on Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn to watch the movie. It comes out this morning. Danny A., he is Roy DeMeo. That brings us to Curtis. Gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long on the overnights, but arguably does his best work. Right here with me, 7, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. You know that's true. And uh, you knew Roy DeMeo. You knew all these guys. You're a tough Canarsie kid. In yep. fact, one of the guys that was part of Roy's crew, who's in the movie, who's still in jail, according to you, you hit this guy, Anthony, with a two-by-four. Yeah, Is a- that true? Anthony Centaur, the most psychotic of the three. Remember, they're the Gemini twins, Anthony Centaur, Joey Testa, Troy Testa and his brother, Patty Testa, could have been movie stars. I mean, the girls were all over him. Anthony Centaur, you knew, was psycho. I taught them stickball. I ran the streets with him. One time, he's beating up a kid. He won't stop. The only way I could stop him was with a two-by-four. <laughs> this guy is in Allenwood now in Pennsylvania. He's hoping to get released. I keep getting these letters. Could you, could you send a letter on my behalf? I said, you're the guy who said you would kill me if given the opportunity yeah, because so, I hit you with a two-by-four. So that's weird. So you hit the guy with a two-by-four. And it didn't but, stop him at first. But I know, but I guess when you did that, you gained his respect because clearly he thinks you like him. He's asking you to help him get out of prison after being there for decades and decades and decades. So there's no way in a million years, Curtis Lee, you would ever write that letter for Anthony Centon. No way. No Anthony, way. Anthony's probably listening now in his cell. Lose my number, pal. <laughs> Lose my number. Although, I'll tell you a great story about Roy DeMay, another psychotic guy. And by the way, you were the cousin Dracula. I got to tell everybody out there, Dracula, you know, he's the bartender with sitters in the movie. He tells everybody, um, um, I have to leave for a moment. Where you going, Dracula? Don't worry about it. He gets into his car. He dresses up like a woman, puts the mascara on, goes to the nearby bank on Ralph Avenue, holds it up at gunpoint, runs away with the money, crashes into another car, Carjacks another car. They finally catch him, the cops, and uh, one of the witnesses from the bank comes up and says, that's the guy. So how could that be me? You have mascara on. <laughs> he never took the mascara off no, or the clothes? No, well, he couldn't. He was running away, tearing the clothes up. You were a transgender. You were Dylan Mulvaney before there was Dylan Mulvaney. And I was really good at the part, so who knew? Maybe that's too exactly. <laughs> you know, I saw uh, Chris Mullen, the Hall of Fame basketball player. Yes. Grew up in Marine Park, but I, I thought he grew up in Marine Park. I was wrong. He grew up two blocks away on Flatlands Avenue in Canarsie from the Gemini Lounge. That's right. And he said he used to see Dracula on summer days sitting outside with his feet in a kiddie pool. And it was weird and odd. But but every time a young Chris Mullen, basketball Hall of Famer, would walk by, Dracula would say hello. Now, I did say to Brian Kilmeade last segment, Roy DeMeo is one of the quote-unquote Nassau County killers. Serial killers, yes. You made that point. Yes. He's out, he killed about 50 times more people than Rex Uerman and Joe Rifkin combined. And the last time before he got whacked himself by Anthony Centaur and Joey Testa on the orders of Paulie Castellano. That was it. And they stuffed him in the trunk of a car, and they had a, a little parakeet in his mouth, you know, and they put some kind of thing over his, uh, his chest, whatever. They have that scene in the movie. But they dumped the body where? 
Suffolk County, where they dump all bodies. They were chasing this kid <laughs> who had knocked on Roy DeMeo's door. He thought it was Cubans that were coming to avenge the murders of Chris Rosenberg, his adopted son. They chased him into Suffolk County, shot him dead. So here's the story. So Roy DeMeo runs that crew. Everybody's loyal to Roy. Yes. But eventually, Curtis, and Peter, you know this, Chad knows this as well, being a boss. The people you think are most loyal, eventually, oh. at least one of them, at least one of them, once you dead. Let me tell you something. Justin Ellick, executive producer. You knew exactly where I was going. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, we're doing show prep for my Rip and Read at 12. And very nicely, Sid comes over and goes, hey, do you want to come to the matinee? And Justin Ellick looks at him like this is his business and says, F you, I ain't going to no matinee. Losers go to matinees. This is what he said. My I would have whacked him my right guy. there. I, I thought about whacking him right there. Now, if I was in character, he'd be dead this morning, and good-looking Ken would be sitting next to Lewis. Oh. But you're lucky. It's only my character in the movies for now. For now. Yeah, I'm lucky. Thanks. Yeah. Talking about whack jobs. Yes. Arthur Idala's on the show a couple of days ago. Yes. And Artie Idala says flat out, listen to me. I got bad news for you. I spoke to somebody in the Adams administration. Frank Caron. How do you know it's Frank Caron? I know it's Frank Caron. Well, you leave my buddies alone. Look, Caron. they're Siamese so, twins. Okay, uh, fine, Frank Caron exhales and Arthur fine, Idella okay, inhales. I'm going to the Met game with his brother on Monday, <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. So it turns out, he says, listen, there's a story in today's New York Post that Eric Adams has asked Joe Biden 36 times for money. And according to Idala, somebody in Adams administration said to him, you're not getting a penny until Biden wins again in 2024. You're talking about another 18 months. More migrants, yep. more migrants, no money. A, do you think Arthur Idala is right? And B, do you think Artie stuck his foot in his mouth or said that on this show purposely? It ended up in the New York Post. Look, Arthur Idala is a male yenter. There's no doubt about it. When you go to poly prep day school like Sid did, what kind of a man's man goes to a day school? So Takapino went there. He's coming Again, up this morning. you make my point, oh, right? Boy. He defends Trump. On mob and scholarships. Gotti. You know that. The first guys they ever defended when they got out of there were wise guys. Mobsters choking on their lobsters to pay back their mob scholarship. But anyway, you caused me to digress. So Arthur Idella is smart. He plants this information on the most listened-to radio morning show in the nation. Forget about the tri-state area in the nation. And he knows it's going to get out there. And who's listening? The New York Post. And they print it word for word, including my word, Frank Caron. That was the source of the information. <laughs> and because the Adams administration wanted that to get out there. But Adams can't say that. It can't be identified with an Adams deputy mayor. So they use Arthur Idala to get the message out. The deal has been made. You're not getting a penny until uh, Joe Biden gets reelected president so of the United States. So you believe that that's true? Idala well, did look, say that. Yeah. Look, he, who did he meet with yesterday? Another sycophant of Joe Biden came to City Hall. He got nothing. He got Ugats. He got bubkis. But more importantly, let us flip the script and go to Rockaway, where you were yesterday for the Rockaway GOP meeting. Yeah. And it's interesting because you know what um, your role was, Sid, initially, but he didn't show up. He was too busy uh, giving information to the feds. Uh, Sid's job was to give the Phil Mickelson Annual Award for Gambling to Eric <laughs> Ulrich, the former you know, county chairman. I, I can't get past one segment with you without you attacking all my friends. 
It's a shame what's happened to Eric. You're right. But he's still a friend of mine. But they didn't invite me to this meeting. You would have thought the guy who ran for mayor, they're trying to elect city council people. They would have elected Curtis. Nothing. And Joanne Ariola, the city councilwoman, the county chairwoman, was not going to show up. She thought I'd be there because she might have had to apologize. Kathy Hochul, the governor, issued a press release saying, alert, alert, Floyd Benefield is next. Floyd Benefield is next for, quote, Migrant Resource Center. I said this two months ago, and Joanne Ariola, he's lying. Oh, listen, lying. let me tell you something. I will defend Curtis right here, right now. Curtis said Floyd Benefield. You also said Fort Tilden, yep. both right by my house. I bought on Joanne Ariola, and I have to tell you, that since that day, I've lost some respect for her. Because instead of coming on and saying, don't worry, I've heard the same rumors, I'm here to protect you folks, she argued with me. I don't want to hear from radio guys, specifically you, yep. about what may or may not happen. In the meantime, you're going to turn out to be right. And last night, with all these city council potentials, and me, Paul King, you know, uh, Mary Glynn at the uh, Horton's and, house, and, and, and the no greatest, Joey and Ariola. The greatest no politician Joanne. of all time who got robbed. Tom Sullivan. That's right, Tom Sullivan. What a magnificent guy stand up. Even the Democrats say the nicest things about him, but they still robbed him. They still sold they the election. They robbed him blind. Stacey Piper Amato robbed him blind. But you're right. No Joanne Ariola last what, night. Because she understood that Floyd Benefield is going to become a migrant senate. She didn't want to show up there. Because she so savaged me on Sid's show about that. How could she hold her head up? They would have said, Joanne Curtis was right. Now, when Curtis was right. When you came out and said Fort Triton, uh, Bayside, all those places, yes. and that wasn't done yet, in contrast, Vicky Palladino came on and said, well, let me just say this. I'm out there every morning fighting for my people. That should have been Joanne's answer as well. In instead, she went after you, and you are going to make her look like a big ass. Now, speaking of Republicans, they attack me more than Democrats. Not to suggest Democrats don't attack me. But slowly I turned step by step. I come in here this morning, and Frank Morano ran out the door, did not want to deal with me, because <laughs> his ping-pong friend, uh, Joe Borelli, who, by the way, has been on perpetual vacation. He didn't go to Rikers Island the other day. He was afraid. He thought he would get defecation education. You know, these guys have never been in the joint. <laughs> Secondly, there's a major problem going out in Staten Island. I'll give you the details, so join me in the rally tomorrow. But he goes on because he, he doesn't know how to stop himself from social networking. There was a picture in the New York Post of Bo Deedle who came on this program, total transparency, said, I had a dinner the other night with Eric Adams for three hours. Yes. And I believe Tuesday night is Rayo's night. With no, Bo. no, no, Thursday no. Thursday night is I'm Rayo's sorry. night. Yeah, they, actually, uh, they were actually at Campagnola. Okay, Campagnola. Yes. Which I was at. The next night, correct. And Bo said, "Don't mention who I was sitting with. <laughs> that guy wants to kill you." So anyway, it's a beautiful picture. That's a true story. There's Eric Adams. <laughs> there's Bo Deedle, and there's our president of operations, Chad Lopez. Yes. And they're sitting there. And so Borelli writes, "I wonder if Curtis, the traffic cone, will call out his boss, hamming it up with Adams." First off. You would not be here, Sid. I would not be here if not for Chad Lopez. I say it all the time. That's right. Uh, as much as I love John and Margot Katsimatidis, they saved this station. The guy with the biggest balls in New York, and, uh, and Chris Oliveira knows this too, is Chad Lopez. Everybody wanted to bring me back. Everybody. Nobody did it except for him. That's right. And not only that, all the calls of people each day 
that I disparage. Uh, it's Chad who has to do interference. I want him fired. I want him <laughs> down on wounded knee. So anyway, Borelli puts I his post you know, He does it a lot for you. <laughs> so I got to tell you, we got to go to the commission. Uh, we got to suspend Borelli from being on your show. By the way, you were going to have him on the show the other week. He said, I'm on vacation. He was on vacation. What the hell is this? This guy's right, on so, perpetual so, so, vacation. So, so, we have about a minute to go in this segment. So you want me to take it to the commission or just go right away and suspend Borelli and then go back to the commission well, first and then we'll off, talk about a long-term Both thing. John Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez meet with everybody because this is New York City. You have to meet with everybody. Of course. Chad is doing his job. Of course. John meets with everybody. So for Borelli, this little guy who won't even be at the rally tomorrow against the migrant shelter in Midland Beach. He's on vacation. Whatever. But the point is, we're out there protecting the senior citizens who got kicked out into the street to make room for the migrants. So tomorrow morning, 1030, I finish the overnight show. I'm heading out there to 1111 Father Capitano Boulevard. Vito Fasella, the borough president, hosting. You are not going to kick senior citizens into the street, Eric Adams, over our dead body. And Joe Borelli, maybe one day you'll come back from vacation. And by the way, Frank Morano, Mr. Staten Island, he's not going to be there because he has to go to some shower. He's a maker. <laughs> His wife, Rachel, says, oh, no, you don't, Frank. You do whatever I tell you. You're coming to a shower. Slimmer will be there to defend Staten Island, who voted for me. If Staten Island's vote had prevailed, Curtis Slimmer would be the mayor of the city of New York, and none of this crap would be taking place. WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. times I've ever known And I believe there is a time for meditation in cathedrals of our own Now I have seen that sad surrender in my lover's eyes And I can only stand apart and sympathize For we are always situations and us see the sadness or euphoria from the great Billy Joel album Turnstiles Summer Highland Falls and he's right it's either sadness or euphoria these days thank God here at WABC it's mostly euphoria we got a good looking Ken who um, does something that no one knows for Frank Morano overnight he's got a job and he's uh, working on the board right now for, for Lou, learning from the very best. And, of course, he's got the great Chad Lopez behind him. So was this a uh, an audition for you? What is this exactly, Ken? Uh, I guess you can call it an audition. Well, what do you do at night for Murata? What's your job? An associate producer. A so, what? Associate producer. What so basically mean? what Justin does. That's nothing. Not That's as, not at all not, what Justin does. Not as much does. as Justin. No. Justin books guests. He does sports. 
He does. Uh, do you book guests for Murano? Doesn't sit. I'm getting christened over here, all right? This is my <laughs> baptism. Well, you know, I liked it from day one. Day one, I said, this is a good-looking kid. He's enthusiastic. He actually likes his job. He's the last one to leave from that overnight show every morning. You know, from day one, I liked you. Oh, 100%. I so love this, you, too, This is good for you. The, the, see, the more things you do at a radio station, this is very important. you got to listen to me. The more things you do, the more vile you, you become. So, you know, you can be a producer, but if you can, I say it's the Jill all the time, Jill Vitale. It's, you could be a great producer, but if you could run the board and, you know, maybe even the on air at some point, then you become very valuable because now you're a guy that could do two or three jobs at once like Justin. Justin does do that. I mean, 100%. He's hard, but he's able to do that. <laughs> well, the reason that, that we actually have, that we have Ken here today, they're qualifying him on the board. So now at, that he's qualified after this, he'll be able to really, or he should be able to kind of just jump into any situation. That's great. And, uh, and take the reins. Well, I'm a big, uh, Kenneth fan. And uh, you're doing a great job here this morning, so good luck to you. Thank you, Sid. You're welcome. The biggest uh, story of the day remains this horrible story in Hawaii, where I believe the last number I heard, 55 dead, Maui on fire. They've got hurricanes. They've got fires. Noam Layden, what's the latest in Hawaii? Just uh, heartbreaking scenes coming out of there. We're um, seeing video today of some of those uh, Hawaiians who raced into the water to escape the flames, uh, floating in the water, just black smoke behind them. And there are cadaver dogs going in and out of these buildings that were burnt to a crisp to see if they'll find more bodies. They think they will. The death toll at 55, but the fires are still going, uh, Sid. Um, they're contained, so that's a good thing, but they're still going this morning. Now, you say the death toll is 55, but I did see a report just moments ago on one of these news stations there is still a thousand people missing a thousand yeah well uh, most of those people will be okay that's the good news but the um the cell service went down for a long time in hawaii so people weren't able to communicate there was problems with 911 over the last 48 hours and so uh you know people are trying to match themselves with family members there's been a tough time doing that that got better overnight. People were able to connect with people who they thought were missing. So my guess is that number will go down drastically in the next couple hours. At least we'll keep our fingers crossed that they do. Not always a uh, great job. Noam Layden right there on News Director. You hear why. Tremendous job, 5 to 6 every morning. And uh, chimes in quite a bit with me every morning. And uh, is A on the money. Great job, Noam. Thank you. We're going to get to Joseph Takapina. He's coming up momentarily, Donald Trump attorney. But, of course, with today being a mob-themed Friday, my movie, Inst My Movie. Again, I have a, a small role, but uh, the movie Inside Man coming out today. Joe Takapina actually started his unbelievably glorious attorney career sitting next to Bruce Cutler at the John Gotti Trials. So we'll talk to Takapina about that. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. You hear this all the time. It's not the 80s anymore. I think I've heard that Joe Pistone a hundred times. It's not the 80s anymore. In the 80s, they would kill you. They wouldn't care. They'd hurt you bad for a couple of dollars. So I know I keep hearing that it's not the 80s anymore. It's kind of like it's not your father's crime family anymore. I guess since since John died, they're still active. The idea of the mafia is dead is beyond ridiculous. They are still very, very active, but it's just not the same, I guess. No, you're right. It, it, what it is now is just another crime, you know, organized crime uh, uh, entity. Just like, uh, you know, if you've got to be worried, you better be worried about the Albanians, <laughs> the Russians. Yeah, yeah. You know. That, that's what you want to be worried about. 
Can I tell you that I love that conversation slash interview yesterday? That that was Joe Pistone, and most of you know Joe Pistone as Donnie Brasco. Johnny Depp, Al Pacino, the great movie. And uh, Pistone was on with me for about 15 minutes at the end of yesterday's show. Turns out that Pistone contacted actor Leo Rossi, who's in the show Gravesend with me, but is really more well-known for his uh, performance in The Accused with Jodie Foster when he was encouraging all those boys to rape Foster on the pinball machine. So Leo calls me a couple of days ago and goes, i got to tell you, you know, Joe Pistone, I go, oh, I've heard of him, of course, Donnie Fosco. He goes, he thinks you're amazing. And there was a guy in his crew, because he was an FBI guy turned informant, worked with the Bonanno crew. He said, there's a guy in his crew, he said, I actually thought Sid studied that guy. That's how, that's how on point Sid was. So long story short, that led to Pistone calling in yesterday, and it was a great conversation. This guy for six years, Bonanno family. I said to him, I go, he walked away in 1981. It was 42 years ago. He's okay now, obviously. I said, but wasn't there a time when you were scared to death, retribution? He said, Sid, they put a half a million dollar bounty on my head. The Bonanno crime family. Back in 81, a half a million dollars is like $5 million right now. He said they'd send two guys to every city looking for me. He said, now the FBI did a good job hiding me. They never got to me. But he said, you bet your ass I was scared to death. Talking about that, my next guest has now become the most recognizable, the best defense attorney in the country. Lately, he's on every TV show almost every night for defending Donald Trump. But talking about Donnie Brasco, the Bonanno crime family, when it all started for my dear friend of 46 years, Joseph Tacopina, he was in the courtroom sitting next to Bruce Cutler defending John Gotti. So on the day when Inside Man hits theaters across America, what better conversation than Tacopina and Gotti? Here he is, my good buddy Joe Tacopina. Good morning, Joseph. How are you, pal? Good morning, Sydney. How are you? Yeah, I never thought I'd see someone who was uh, getting more indictments than John Gotti. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the president of the United States. I mean, well, you know what's funny? Really, you know what's really funny about that? Down at this point, yeah, they actually called John Gotti Teflon Don. But being this is Trump, at least up to now, it's early, and we got a lot of court dates to come. It looks like the real Teflon Don is Don Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, so far, and if you go based on the results of the polling and and the sort of fallout after these indictments, these multiple indictments, now three, four coming, um, you know, it seems like it's having the absolute adverse effect, the opposite effect that the Democratic sort of hitmen believed it was going to have on him. And, and you know, it's, it's just amazing to see this go. But I think it's just it, so we've been saying this for months. It's just that people, the American public, I think at this point are now tired of weaponization of the justice system. And it's really, to me, as a former prosecutor and a defense lawyer and a lawyer, it's just horrible to see because the justice system used to be in its own bubble. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree with charging decisions, they never felt partisan um, like this, ever, never. And it's just unbelievable now the way things are going. I was talking to Brian Kilmeade earlier, and uh, he presented a scenario where Donald Trump would go to jail. 
I'm not saying a lengthy prison stay. This isn't Gotti and Leavenworth. But Donald Trump would go to jail. He would lose maybe the documents case. Uh, maybe Mike Pence burns him in this uh, January 6th case. I don't know. But he did present that possibility, which it is. I said, I got to tell you, Brian, I don't care. You know, it's kind of like the manager who's out sick for a couple of games. So the bench coach comes in and manages. In this case, it would be the vice president. And the manager comes back and still wins the World Series. Even if that does happen, even if one of these cases results in a small amount of jail time, A, that's probably not going to happen. But B, that's not going to derail Donald Trump, is it? No. I mean, he's made that very clear. I think he actually even said that. Um, you know, you don't want to jinx yourself by saying it, but he took the bull by the horns and said, look, I'll, 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 you know, run, I'll be present even from prison if I have to be. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he's somebody who has done the unthinkable, um, and will continue to do the unthinkable. You know, the more you tell him you can't do it, the more he does it and the more he wants to do it. So it's, it's very simple. I mean, this is not working. Um, whatever they're doing is not working. Um, and he's, you know, his, his gain on the on the Republican uh, nomination is just, you know, almost insurmountable at this point. Look, it's still a ways to go, but it's insurmountable because I think people realize, look, when he was in office, if you just forget, you know, the, the rhetoric and all the other stuff, if you look at his policies and the things he did in office, he did some pretty great things. Oh, yeah. Some things that yeah. we would kill the have right now. hundred percent. Right? So, I mean, that's, you know, when, from a, from a, from a policy standpoint, you know, it's really, um, it's, it's, it's what we need. And, you know, there, there we have it. So it's just a matter of now getting through these, you know, what they're trying to do with it. And it, it's going to be a problem. So we talked about this last time is, you know, he's going to have potentially four indictments, certainly three. Um, and, and I, I'd say four, we all know that the George indictment is coming. So it's going to be four indictments that he's going to be, and you have to make court appearances in criminal cases. They're not, it's not like a civil case where you don't have to show up. Um, today's appearance in D.C. is waived. He doesn't have to be there for the scheduling issue that they're having today. But, but for the most part, when things get, get down to business, you have to be there as the defendant, the criminal defendant. So he's going to have to juggle four criminal, four criminal cases Jeez. at one time yep. while, while, while campaigning and doing things that a candidate can do. So it, it, it I don't know how that's going to ha- I just don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah. We are in such uncharted waters in almost everything we're doing now that I don't know how that plays out. But somehow he's going to make it work, I guess. But but it's going to that's, – and that's part of the ploy. I really believe the timing of all these things. I've always said, look, there's no rush. There was no rush to, to bring any of these indictments today. Okay, I mean, let alone the Manhattan case, which is a joke of a case, but but the the, the hush money case, so to speak. But the federal case, there's plenty of years left on the statute of limitations here, right? They could have waited to see how the election plays out, so they couldn't be accused of election interference and other things, and then do what they thought was right, if that's what they thought was right, whatever. Um, but but it's you know it's 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 suspect. The timing is suspect, and it, to me, it's pretty obvious why it's all happening now. It's to try and prevent him from running try and prevent them from being a viable candidate, try and prevent them from campaigning. And the last thing they ever want is Donald Trump back in office. Yep. Um, so no, you're right. No, but, but, but that's why. But the justice system is not meant as to be used as a political tool of course. To, to comply yeah. with agendas. No, you're right. And uh, they're going to make it very logistically difficult for him. He may have to be in Iowa. There'll be a Super Tuesday, all these things going on. He may be in court. Now, you did mention, Joseph, that for a civil case, he doesn't have to be there. 
And I remember when, uh, before you got the win, and I still say it's a win, I say it every time, in the E. Jean Carroll decision because she wasn't raped. The other chumped-up charge and the money, I can't help that. But uh, you won that case, right. so congratulations. But I remember that uh, he wasn't there. And even Alan Dershowitz was like, oh, bad move, you know. It's a he said, she said, he's got to be there. And you said, no, 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 it'll be a complete Not circus. Not he said, she said. It wasn't a he said, she said. It was a she said, she said. I know. Was, it, look, if it was a he said, she said, that would be, it wasn't rape, it was consensual. We were together, but she wanted it also. That's he said, she said. When he's saying, I have no idea what this lady is, I wasn't there, I didn't rape her, I don't know any, I can't say anything, but I didn't do it, which he already said under oath, which came into the trial. There's nothing for him to say other than, I don't know what the hell she's talking about, right. which he said in his deposition that was played to the jury. So him being there would have done nothing but create a circus atmosphere, not to mention, you know, they're, they're in, when, in civil cases, the rules are very different. When you testify, you can't be there as a defendant and not testify in the civil case. That's the worst Thing you can do because you, there's no presumption, there's no Fifth Amendment rights there, right? So, so you have to you have to get up there and tell your story if you're in court. And if he told his story, I'd still be on trial, Sid, right now, <laughs> right now, because the cross examination would be, go on about twenty-seven months. Of course, because Judge and Judge Kaplan, who's uh, you know, gave us a rough time, and is no fan of President Trump. That's clear. Would would because it's a civil case would allow everything under the sun to come yep. in I know. on cross-examination. I know what they were planning to do. I know the cross they were planning to do. And it would have been a 10-day, you know, real. And then, of course, President Trump's not going to be disrespected the way he would have been. And it would have led to a, a very, look, people wanted it so bad because it, it would make great theater. It wouldn't have been good for him. It would have been good for the case. It would have been good for No, the listen, you, you did the right so thing. There's no question about it. You, you did the right thing. But, but as it turns out now, uh, I know she wants to sue him again, but then he he filed a counter lawsuit, and if I and I could be wrong, but I think I read this week that the judge threw that out. Is that right? Yeah, he did. Uh, judge Kaplan, this was I didn't. That wasn't me. Uh, but but yes, he did file a counterclaim, a counter lawsuit, defamation against her, um, as he had the right to do because she's been calling him a rapist, and the jury said he's not a rapist. And don't forget, this is the lowest standard. By law, a jury has to find only preponderance of the evidence. It's not like a criminal case where it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Here, if they believe 51% that he raped her, as opposed to, you know, which is not a lot, Sid. That's not how we make decisions in life every day. But they didn't even find that. They didn't even find that. So, so you know, she can't call him a rapist without defaming him. And that's what he wanted to do. And that's what, but you know, Judge Kaplan has um, sort of stretched his intellectual abilities to uh, come up with some reasoning as to why um, that that didn't pass legal muster. But there's an appeal going on. Look, I fully believe that second case, that Carol 2, the counts that, that they, the counts, the charges that they found liable on, which was just sexual abuse based on that Access Hollywood tape coming in, that's going to be overturned. Um, you know, Judge Kaplan was overturned once already in this case. I think he's going to get overturned a second time by the appellate division. And it's going to be a clean sweep. It'll be an absolute clean sweep for President Trump. But that's the least of, of the concerns right now. The concerns are obviously these mounting um, indictments. And, you know, it's not so much if you dissect each case by individually, it really isn't. A big worry. It just isn't. I'm, I, of course, anytime you get indicted, it's a concern. I'm not being cavalier, Sid. But the facts, really the facts, when you boil them down, you know, in each one of these cases, they're not powerful cases. 
you know, they're, they're, they're powerful charges because of who he is. And there's a hope that you're going to get a judge who doesn't like him, a jury who despises him, and, and, and they'll, you know, sort of turn a blind eye to lack of, of evidence-proving elements. Um, but but fact of the matter is when you have four of these, it's just impossible, you know, to, to really mm. be able to think and do anything else but deal with these cases. You know, during the uh, Ranger playoffs, the Hockey Rangers – we would uh, we would have a three way phone conversation every night, text conversation, and it was me, yeah. Joseph Takapina, and Pete Morgan. Now Pete happens to be in studio with me today. He shows up every couple of weeks. He's a great friend, and and I love him. And as you and I are talking, he's gesturing, he's moving his mouth. He clearly wants to say something. So uh, instead of uh, trying to mouth it to me, Pete, <laughs> ask your friend Joe yeah. Takapina what Hi, you Pete. want to know. Joe, Joe, hey, hey brother, how you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm good, bro. So, other than the appearance of him going to court and so on, how much time will this take from Trump personally? I'm not talking about his legal team and all that prep, but is this, is this, you know, is it, you know, 50 hours? Is it five hours? Is it, you know, how much time for him versus we all know how the legal team's going to be working their asses off? Yeah, yeah. It's a good question, Pete. It's, it's actually the pretrial stuff doesn't really involve the the client and defendant that much other than obviously there's recordings that need to be reviewed and certain discovery but it's not look this case is going to be there are so many legal issues that are going to be grappled with between here and there between now and the building at a trial in all of these cases that and that's the president's not going to really be involved in that i mean obviously he's involved in everything from a strategic standpoint but these are things that the lawyers deal with so you're right piece a good question is not going to take up like when they're, you know, making motions to dismiss based on selective prosecution or insufficiency of the charge or whatever, you know, that's the president's not going to be sitting in the in the uh, law library with right. them, you know, doing all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. So he'll be able to do what he needs yeah. to do. It's just the constant appearances. And look, you already see a judge in D.C., which is not the friendly venue, right? So yeah. it's amazing if you just look at the two cases, Florida, D.C., how how different they are going, right? Night and day, DC's yeah. Filed after Florida, D.C.'s filed after Florida with a judge who is clearly not friendly to President Trump. Um, and there's a January trial date that they're looking to set already. Uh, the 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 case in Florida was filed earlier, um, less, you know, really less import to our democracy, certainly that case is, and they're talking about a May trial date at the earliest of that one. So, you know, my, my concern is, is that it's going, he's going to be in a position where he's forced to go to trial in, in one of these cases earlier than he would be forced to go to trial if he were just a normal defendant, because they want, look, the goal here, as you know, and they want blood. is to make sure this gets yeah. done before, before the election. Yep, right, exactly. The yep. They want, yep. they want yep. him to be a convicted felon right. before the election. Uh, so that's the goal, and uh, that's what they're going to go for. All right, two minutes to go here, Joseph. Again, this is a mob theme Friday. I played a cut from Joe Pistone, a.k.a. Donnie Brasco, leading to this conversation. Way, man. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That loud. <laughs> yeah. That's a great spot to be. That's our, that's our childhood. I mean, we. I used to walk by the Gemini Lounge. My dad would always say, cross the street. When you pass the Gemini, don't go right in front of it. Because sometimes those doors, those doors can suck you in, and you yep. never come out of those doors. We're actually going to talk to a Frank DiMatteo in the nine o'clock hour. Thanks to Frank Morano, and he 
he uh, covered all those stories, knows all those guys. And, and your father was right. Now, you never would have had the chance to defend Roy DeMeo because he got killed, supposedly by Paul Castellanos, folks. But uh, when you started your glorious career, you were not a defense attorney. You worked on the uh, prosecution side. But eventually you did uh, become a defender if you will, and uh, as far as I know, because I saw an unbelievable picture, a black-and-white picture of you right behind John Gotti walking out of a courtroom. You sat there with Bruce Cutler for lots of those John Gotti trials. So on this Inside Man slash Gemini Lounge Friday, tell us about that experience. It was it was a, just a surreal thing, especially for a young lawyer. It was a young lawyer who grew up in in our neighborhood in Brooklyn where, you know, these guys were ever-present and, and certainly known, well-known. Um, but, but being there, you know, going to trial every day, and then after court having, you know, coming out to that, that you saw in that photograph, like John Gotti would come out smiling, that hair out of place. I looked like I was, like, going into a monsoon. My face was, like, contorted. <laughs> the cameras were low, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but John was, John was as smooth as a cucumber. And then we'd go to these dinners, Sid, every night at, at either the Manhattan Cafe, which was a restaurant on, on 1st and 61st in the city, so longer there, um, or another one of John's spots in Queens, the whole legal team, not just me, you know. That's what he would do. Every night after court, we'd have these dinners. And I swear to God, I gained about 15 pounds in a one-month trial. <laughs> the amount of food, yeah. the amount of, no kidding, Pete, I swear, the amount of food <laughs> they would bring out without us ordering anything. And to me, you know, I was a struggling young lawyer, you know, with a baby living in a basement, half a basement apartment, you know, paying off student loans and whatnot. This was like I hit the lottery. And so I was eating insane amounts of food. That's great. And it was just, you know, jobs, kills a cucumber, like very generous like that. And, and, and it's just a wild, wild thing. The one, the one experience I had was when I met Whitey Bulger, though, oh. with John and those guys. That was, I felt like I was looking at the devil incarnate. I wow. swear that was the scariest man I've ever met. I didn't even know who he was at the time. I later found out when I watched Black Man. <laughs> yeah, that, that was just a different world yeah. for me. Yeah. And that picture you saw, say, with me and, and John Gotti coming out of court wound up in the Daily News before my sister and the rest of my family knew who, what case I was working on. And they just thought I was inducted into the mob. I left law school. I was now a, like a soldier. And, 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 and you're the last person that would ever even consider that because you are the one guy, maybe the only guy of all the Italian-American friends I've got that actually denounced the Sopranos because you felt like they stereotyped every Italian as a mobster. Yeah, and I listen. It's great entertainment. I, I don't take look, everyone has a right to to put on what they want to watch on television, and whatnot. To me, it was just it was just the whole, you know, when, when American television has taken the Italian stereotype to a different level when it comes to organized crime, and and so yeah, it glorifies the worst of the Italian Americans, in my opinion. No. Um, and and no. you know, there's so many great things where this country, I would mm. argue, you know, is is where it is, and we are who we are because we're great Italian American. Um, you know, the, the 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 founder and chairman of Bank of America is an Italian. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But but it's um yeah. So that was my thing. I'm not even though I worked in that world and it maybe sounded a little hypocritical. It was me getting legal experience at the time. But you know, once you peel back the layers of the onion and all the glamour, you realize it's just a it's a it's a very realistic. The script you did, the movie you did. Is a, I mean, I can't wait to watch this movie because that will show you. I mean, look, you know, all glamour aside. 
this is a life that you, you know you the last thing in the world you want to do is be part of that because you don't ever leave you can't get out there's no retirement packages there's <laughs> only death or prison yeah pretty death much or prison. that's no. the two choices you're right no, pretty so much yeah. program. and a lot of those so, guys uh, that uh, are in this movie those guys died and it wasn't pretty. Uh, check it out, folks, Inside Man. And if you can't make it to a theater today, the good news is you can watch it at home tonight on demand. As always, Joseph Takapina, not good, great. That was a great conversation. Donald Trump, John Gotti, all that good stuff. I love you. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay, boys. Bye-bye. Take Thanks, care. The great you. Joseph Takapina. Still a lot more to do on this program. We will talk to Frank DiMatteo on the 9 o'clock hour. We'll also talk to Andrew Giuliani coming up next hour. Our three sitting friends in the morning on an Inside Man Friday about to come your way. Seventy-seven WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Looks like a gorgeous day today, 8-11, on your Inside Man Friday morning back here. We've had a terrific show already. Brian Kilmeade and Curtis Lee were always amazing. Joseph Takapina, great. Got my man Pete Morgan, peerless boilers, tankless water heaters, here live in studio. Pavilion tankless water heaters. And, of course, uh, the crew, Lewis, Justin, and uh, Noam. Got a big morning coming up. When we leave here at about 10.15, we are going straight to Brooklyn. Yes, we are. The Kent Theater, Coney Island Avenue between H and I in Brooklyn. The one theater in the near proximity of my house that is showing the movie Inside Man, which I've been talking about now since March of 2022, since we filmed it out in Los Angeles, Danny A., Lucy Hale, Emile Hirsch, Ashley Green, Robert Davi, and, of course, Bo Deedle, Bo's greatness. So uh, the movie finally comes out today. Now, if you can't get to a theater, it's not showing in many, many theaters. It's not. So odds are, we are listening right now, there's no theater near you. The good news is you can now watch it at home. I believe even now it's on demand inside man you can check that uh pete i i will do yeah check that out inside man on demand right now but we are going in fact bo deedle is on the way to newark airport pick up his lovely margo her group the cover girls performs on staten island tomorrow night he's going straight to the theater i'm going straight to the theater peter gordio my dear friend great actor in gravesend he's going to the theater and probably upwards or 30 or 40 more tom sullivan Great uh, dear friend of my family, great politician out of Queens. He's coming. So it should be a pretty nice crowd at about 1130 this morning at the Kent Theater in Brooklyn for this movie. In fact, um, go back to these Danny A cuts. Danny A, uh, this movie was his brainchild. He directs it. He produces it. And he stars as Roy DeMeo, real-life Roy DeMeo, and does a great job playing Roy. We, uh, this is about uh, three months ago. Danny was in studio with Frank Catania, 
Dolores's ex-husband from the Real Housewives of New Jersey and Liz Pitko. And he was in because that was the night where they had the screening for the movie. So me, Danielle, and Gabriel, we've already seen it. But very few others have. And it was a great night, and we love the movie. I'll say it again, best mob movie in about 20 years. So Danny was in that morning, the morning of the screening, and talked about what it was like getting me ready for my role. This, Lewis, is Danny A, cut number 24. I got to tell you, uh, you're going to be very, very happy when you see the movie. I, 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 I was telling your friend... It took a lot to uh, explain to you a little bit of what the, the process is. It's not radio yes. and hitting your marks and things like that. But once you're actually on um, and, and you and you start doing your thing, you, you, you do a very, very, Thank very you. good job. And yeah. it's not a little role. It's actually a pretty big role, <laughs> a substantial role. So, well, you did teach me. So, so for example, I'm a bartender, right? So, And he, this guy goes on to become a killer at night. Bartender during the day, killer at night. They called him Dracula. He's the first cousin of Roy DeMeo. So, right, when they called on me to do a line, I was ready. But as Danny was teaching me, and he was a very good teacher, while I'm not speaking, I still have to be doing stuff that really shows what the role is. So if I'm a bartender, cleaning the glasses, I'm making drinks, and I wouldn't do that. I would just stand there and look at the scene like, oh, wow, this is cool. He's like, no, Sid, you're a bartender. Bartend. <laughs> so, 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 so there was a couple of times where Danny had to explain that to me. To me, that was really valuable information, so thank you. No, oh, of course. I mean, that's my job. I, look, if I was going to give you a role and I, we were going to do this and I understood your passion and I realized that this is something that you really wanted, first of all, I want you to succeed. The, the most important thing is that you come off and understand that it, it looks great. And, you know, just staying in the character is the most important thing because the camera starts on you and then it continues to go to other characters and you're in the background. you got to continue to play what you are. Right, right. Uh, and that was very important. But, I, again, I, I, I'm telling you, you're going to be very, very happy. Danny goes on to talk about how the name of the movie is now Inside Man. It was originally titled Gemini Lounge, and that was a real place. Real place, Flatlands Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. These were real folks. A lot of people I know now knew them, including pro basketball Hall of Famer Chris Mullen, who grew up about two blocks away. So in this cut, Danny A. talks about the real Gemini Lounge behind the story. Lewis, cut number 25. A lot of people listening right now are in Brooklyn, Manhattan. They know that bar. Danny, I can't tell you how many times I mentioned this. I get it. Oh, my God, Flatlands Avenue. I grew up right there. Ralph Avenue, Canarsie. Yeah. They know about it, and they can't wait to see this. So give the folks a little taste of what it was like to be back in Brooklyn 40 years ago. So the, the movie's called The Gemini Lounge because of the bar on Flatlands, and it was owned by Roy DeMeo. Roy DeMeo was a... Uh, you know, I'm a gangster with the Gambino family. And you play Roy. I play Roy the male. Emil Hirsch plays the cop that infiltrates the, the crew. Lucy Hill plays the bartender that works yeah. with you. Who, by the way, Lucy Hill has 25 million followers on Twitter. On Instagram. On Instagram. She's right. amazing. Pretty Little Lies. Pretty, Pretty Little Lies. Yeah. Ashley Green from Twilight's in it. Uh, a bunch of great guys. Greg and George and Jeremy Luke, who I love. Oh, he's great. Yeah, his mom listens to the show every morning. Is that right? Yeah, and she's a big fan, and I told Jeremy that I was going to talk about her. Right, he's great. Hey, mom. <laughs> uh, so, so what, what happened? So, basically, so this bar was, a, you know, a regular bar for anybody who's walking by, but the reality is, is where they did all their business. There was an apartment that Dracula, your character, lived in next door. 
And they say between 150 and 200 bodies were chopped up. That many? Yeah, that's what they say. Goes on finally in this last cut, uh, the great Danny A. Talk about how Ray Liotta in the movie Iceman was one of the guys that actually inspired him. Danny A. Lewis, cut number 26. So the movie is, you know, I did a movie called The Iceman, and uh, Ray Liotta, may he rest in peace, yep. um, played Roy DeMille, and I was just obsessed with the character, and I really wanted to kind of figure out how to do it. Um, and when I decided to play him, I had to gain weight, I had to really do it, and me directing and acting in it was not easy. Um, but I took it on, and like you said, it was uh, March of last year, and it was it was a... Uh, it was surreal because now we're here. Yes, we are here. No question about it, Danny. Uh, Pete Morgan, you looked into the, the yep. on-demand part of this. Is it ready to go? It is. It so is. You can get it on Amazon, Voodoo, or Spectrum. You can rent it for six ninety nine. That's a bargain. That's not bad. But you can own it. For nineteen ninety nine. dollars For fourteen ninety nine. How about that? And if you buy it, everybody that buys one, you get a free Sid autographed photo. <laughs> I would do that. The Dracula. Why not? See, what I'm going to start to do, because no one promotes like me, I'm not going to take a salary anymore for my roles, whether it's Gravesend or... I got two new roles waiting for me. One from Leo Rossi, one from Armand DeSante. I'm not lying, I swear to God. I'm going to start to ask for percentages. Take a piece. Take a piece. Yeah. Because no one promotes like me, nobody. So they make these movies, they're all big names, and they sit around for six months with their finger up their ass, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm getting people to go see this movie. And you're working, Especially man. now with a strike. That's right. Yeah. You know who's going to see the movie today? Donald Trump. He actually reached out to me. Well, how about that? Uh, okay. You don't believe me? No. Fine, you're right. I'll watch it next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's busy. He's got, like, indictments he has to worry about these few. days. Just a few. <laughs> yeah. He was on with Eric Bowling across the street there uh, a couple of days ago. And there's three or four cuts I wanted to get to with President Trump that I didn't do yesterday. And this one, uh, he says to Bowling, he says, you know, we're in serious trouble. You know why? Just take a look at our borders. Cut number one. Our borders were being invaded at our borders. Uh, Prisons are being emptied out into our country and mental institutions, insane asylums. It's a stronger word. But or, or words, because he would say word, it's words. But insane asylums. Being emptied out into our country, terrorists are pouring into our country. They're catching a lot, but the ones that are really bad and really smart, they're getting through, and we have no idea where they are and who they are, where they come from. Our country is in serious trouble. We are at a level where I don't think we've ever been like this. So when we talk about this migrant crisis, which is destroying our city and other cities across America, that's the issue, Eric. It's not about your good buddy, Joe Biden, giving you billions of dollars. It's not about the lie. It's a lie, Eric, that you blame Republicans for the lack of immigration reform. Stop it. It all comes back to one thing, the border, which your guy, you refer to yourself, Eric, as Biden of Brooklyn. Nobody told you to take that title. I told you in your face at Wolfgang's one night, 11 p.m., me, you, and Sarugo, stop calling yourself that. It's embarrassing. And you still did it. Still. He caused this. Him, Mayorkas. It all goes back what Trump was just talking about, the border, not immigration reform. We can do that later. We had Remain in Mexico in place, Title 42. We were building a wall. We had none of these issues. None. It's not a Republican problem. It became a New York problem when Democrats won. That's a fact. So when I go last night to Marion Joe Harkin's house, 
at the Rockaway Republican Party where Mary Glenn did a tremendous job. And I watch these people speak. Daniela May, for example, running in District 31 against Majority Whip Sylvina Brooks Powers. Rusat Ramgopal running in District 28 against Adrian Adams. Tom Sullivan. Yes, he's a dear friend. He is. Tom, Mike, Danny, Brian, Russ, all of them. But he won. They stole it from him. Stacey Piper Amato, but he won, and he may run again in 2024. Paul King, who just ran a, a good race against Gregory Meeks, his lovely wife Margaret Powers, he may run again in 24. When I see these people speak, what are they talking about? They're talking about the failures at those levels. Mayor Eric Adams, failure. Certainly the governor, that witch, that wench, Gross person that she is, Kathy Hochul, failure. Joe Biden, demented crook. He's corrupt. It's not old grandpa forgot his seventh grandchild's name. It ain't that innocent. He's corrupt. He's a crook. Adams, Hochul, Biden, and just about every member of our city council, starting with a guy I've known for 23 years, but you can trust him about as far as you can see him, Justin Brannon in Bay Ridge. These are the people, ladies and gentlemen, that are destroying our cities, our states, and our country. And while you yell and scream and congratulate me at every opportunity for, for being the voice, where are you election day? Everybody's talking about November 2024, Biden versus Trump. Let me tell you something, New York, and listen carefully. November of 2023, in three months, is a much bigger day for the future of our city and state than Trump. And how many of you who bitch and complain every day, and you should, about the council, about the mayor, about the governor, how many of you are going to go out and vote Republican city council November of 2023? Very few. That's a fact. And you'll have 9,000 excuses playing pickleball. I'm sick of that, too, by the way. You play pickleball? I do not. <laughs> Everybody else does. Well, yeah. Well, you better start. And you better get a racket with your name on it, too. Wasn't yesterday, like, National Pickleball Day? No, stop it. I swear to God, it was. Right, I, you know, uh, Is that right, No. It was, yeah. 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 Well, like, you know, Jill Zalin's become a good friend. And... Oh, it's like, come on. Anybody can play pickleball. Anybody? It's like a sport for, like, people who want to act like they're in shape and can play. Right, like, yeah. People who can't play tennis, they just play pickleball. Exactly. It's like, yeah. ping, it's like standing on a ping pong right. table. That's right. kind of can what you sport's be, like. Can you be fat and be a good pickleball yes. player? Yes. I've seen yes. it in action. Really <laughs> fat guys are in fact, it actually it actually lends a lot of pros <laughs> to being a good pickleball player. Okay. Well, you have it. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. All right. Still to come, uh, Andrew Giuliani. He'll be here coming up at 8.40 and uh, more of this interesting mob conversation with a guy that Frank Morano actually booked for the show. His name is Frank DiMatteo. Is that right, uh, Justin? Yeah, you know him, actually. I do know him <laughs> from uh, the Mob Candy yes, magazine down in Florida. There you go. And he is completely, uh, he knows all about the mob. So Roy DeMeo, Gemini Lounge, all that stuff, he's got it. They're all going to stop by. So the Friday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning rolls on right after these short messages.
Radio 77 WABC. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. Let me do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than See It. Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson celebrating a birthday today. I believe Lewis said he was 78 or 79. Joe Jackson. 69. 69, excuse me. Play some more of this, Lou. Joe Jackson. Stepping out. So one of the things I pride myself on, and the reason why when most shows, even here, get a three, and I double them with a six, is because I believe that even though folks know I skewed to the right, I don't even skew to the right. I'm a Republican. I'm a proud Republican, and I say this almost every day. I'm not sure why people like Kevin Breslin are shocked. I hate Democrats. I hate you. I don't dislike you. I don't disagree with you. I hate you. Not you, Kevin. I love you. But I do believe moderates still listen because I'm willing to talk to people like Eric Adams on this show when he wants to come on. Justin Brannon on just two weeks ago. And really, outside of the political stuff, I spend my life in and around moderates and even Democrats, especially some of this acting stuff I'm doing. But I can't help it, uh, Kevin. It happens to be a terrific guy, the son of uh, late great Jimmy Breslin, talking about Inside Man Today, Jimmy's book, the gang that couldn't shoot straight, about the Gallo brothers, who I knew personally, Albert Kid Blast Gallo, was in my backyard on Quentin Road many, many times. You love Jimmy, but I love Kevin, saying I'm skewing right. That, that's not today, buddy. That's every day. And that ain't going to change. As long as Eric Adams continues to lie and place the, the blame someplace else, as long as the governor of this state continues to F everybody in this state, as long as the president continues to lie, not just about taking money, but things he does on a daily basis, that's how it's going to go, Kev. You know, it's like people who get mad at cops when there's a tragedy and a white officer kills a black man. The officer didn't wake up that morning saying, I'm going to go kill myself a black guy. It just happened. I don't wake up in the morning going, I'm going to go kill myself a Democrat today. It just happens. I mean, Joe Biden spoke yesterday in Salt Lake City. He lied twice, and whoppers. Here's one of them. Says he's been to Iraq and Afghanistan 38 times. 38. Very honorable. Problem is, it's not true. Joe Biden, cut number 14. I have uh, been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 38 times. He's starting to sound, too, like Forster Brooks. What you say from that sound? He doesn't sound uh, accurate? No. No. All right. I just want to make He's sure. not that far off. It's not like he's, it's double. But the truth is, he's been to Afghanistan and Iraq 
21 times. He claims 38 of 21. He's a liar. Here's another one. He's claimed he's traveled, ready for this? Tens of thousands of miles through war zones. This one's way worse than than the... uh, Right, this is even worse. Here's number 15, Joe Biden. I don't know how many tens of thousands of miles I've traveled through war zones. I'm begging you. I don't know anybody who would not wonder whether or not what these veterans have seen... What? Cause of cause post-traumatic stress. Yeah. It's enormous. Mm-hmm. It's an enormous problem. It sure is. The Army doesn't do that. No. Oh, he's the same guy, don't forget. You know, he had one kid who was a good kid. Hunter's a degenerate. Not because he's a recovering addict, so am I. He's just a filthy degenerate. But the kid, Bo, was a good kid. He was. And he served this country proudly. You know how many times Joe Biden has said in public how tragic it was that he lost his son in Iraq. His son didn't die in Iraq. son died at home. But he said it like a hundred times. So don't tell me, Kevin, I love you, that I'm skewing to the right. You know, I'll be a moderate when it calls for moderation. But the way things are going in government right now, city, state, federal, you know, it's it's like I called out John Katsimatidis earlier. No one loves John more than me outside of Margot, A.J., and John Jr., nobody. And I don't believe anybody loves me more than my family than John. That's how close we are. We are legitimately like father and son. I love him. But when he says common sense Democrat, I want to jump out the window. They don't exist. There's like one of them. It sounds nice. It's great. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Maybe that's your idea of moderation. But I'm sorry, Kev, I love you to pieces, and I love when you text me and keep doing it. But until things change in a hurry on every level, yeah, I'm going to skew to the right. Because I care. I know you care, too, but, man, I don't know how people who vote for Democrats wake up in the morning, I really don't, and claim they care. I don't. I'm all for loyalty. I get fantastic. I've been a Democrat my whole life. What does that mean? I don't. I don't know what that means. I don't get it. You either care about what's good and what's right and what taxpayers deserve, or you don't. I don't care if they're a Democrat or Republican. I keep asking every day. Lewis, you're on the show every day. I talk to everybody from Donald Trump to Eric Adams to actors to entertainers. You hear every politician basically across the country. Can you tell me one, one that has come across as a common sense or moderate Democrat that you want to hear back on this show? One. I have to check my notes. That's zero. <laughs> Justin? No. Anybody? No. Zero. Pete Morgan? No. Noam Layden, you're a liberal. In disguise, of course. <laughs> okay. Give me one. Give me one. A common sense Democrat. Yeah, give me one. Common mm. sense, moderate, moderate. David Patterson's not bad. He's retired. Yeah, I understand that. But no, I need somebody in office, not no. somebody going to the Met game with me on Monday who's 70. You <laughs> can't say. He's the one that always comes up. That's See, always that's David Patterson. One, right, right, right. right. <laughs> he's, the, he's retired. You got somebody else, Noam? I don't. Well, as my wife would say, I rest my case. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Collins, inside out on your sunny Friday morning, 843. Curtis Lee, I just gave me the one guy and he's right. I do love this guy. In fact, this guy that Curtis mentioned to me was just on my show last Monday. He was on with Jennifer Harrison, my dear friend from Victim Rights New York. And he is the one and the only one, as far as I know, the one common sense moderate Democrat in our country today. And that is Bob Holden out of Queens. I love that guy. That is a guy like me. I'm socially liberal. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-choice. I get angry with people who are pro-life. I don't want to hear about the Bible. I'm sorry. Sorry. Don't want to hear it. And I'm all for gay marriage, all these things. But um, when it comes to fiscal issues, I'm a Republican. And certainly when it comes to war, and I'm not a hawk by, by any means, not like Rich Lowry or who was that psycho, that Lowry's friend, he worked for Trump. Now he wants to kill Trump. What's that crazy person's name? Uh, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah, the guy. From, oh. Yeah, John something or other. Oh. He's a tard. I got, anyway. I, got a, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. So anyway, that's uh, that's his story. Bob Holden, good call. I think I just saw something on TV that fat Chris Christie, this is unbelievable, and he's a Republican. He's got no excuse. He's just fat and stupid. Uh, luckily, he's not all three that Flounder mentioned in the great movie Animal House, fat, stupid, and drunk. But he's two out of three. And I think he, he made a speech in New Hampshire. You ready with this? Where he compared Jared Kushner, married, of course, to Ivanka, Trump's daughter. He compared Jared Kushner, whose father, we know, he put his father away. We know Christie helped put Jared's father away, so there's bad blood between those families. But he compared Jared Kushner to Hunter Biden. Unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, come on. Really? Jared Kushner, Trump's son. And that's why this debate coming up, August 23rd, Trump's not going to be there. DeSantis will be there. He's boring. Mike Pence will be there. He's even more boring. Kind of like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. But Chris Christie may be the one with the most charisma on stage that night. And he's a fat, angry liar. Will Ramaswamy be there? Yeah, he annoys me. God, enough of him, too. He's good. He's smart, though. Oh, you know how smart he is? He starts every sentence with so. Well, I heard, yeah. He's got some work to do. But he's he is a guy. smart guy, yeah. Young guy. But who cares? These people have no chance of winning. They stand. When I become president, what do you mean when you become president? <laughs> You've got just as good of a chance, Pete. You're not even running. You have an equal chance of winning as some of those candidates. Yeah, but that's Pete's his point is that's not the reason. They have no chance of winning. The problem is they should have a chance of winning. Mm. Why should they? Because Pete just brought up he's smart. He's smarter than he's smarter than the, the, a lot of the people that are going to be up on that stage. Well, saying, but you're right about that. Right. But, but, so that but, means he should have a chance to win. No, not against and, Trump. Not against Trump. Okay. Trump is a Trump. leader of men. A, a smart is great. Oh, I'm smart. I work with a lot of smart guys too. Smart is great. Well, why does Trump he ha- is a leader? Well, why doesn't he have a chance to win? Because he's not a leader. No, no, he's no. just smart. No, the, the problem is people don't know him. Well, we don't know him. He's on TV every night. No, people don't know him. If you went outside and you go, do you know Donald Trump? Yes. Yeah. Do you know Vivek Ramaswamy? No. Yeah. How, yeah. What would be the percentage? Most people don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm one no. of those guys. Yeah. Right. I gotta tell you, I was on Lawrence Jones on Fox News last uh, Fox News last Saturday night, and Vivek was on before me, 
and I couldn't wait for him to get off the air. And he's smart, he's smart, he's very smart, but my God, I hate to say it, guys, there's a lot of theater that goes into that job, just like this job. And if you can't provide some of that, I don't care how smart you are. Okay. Smart doesn't mean anything. Putin doesn't care about smart. Neither does the guy in North Korea or the guy in China. They don't care about smart. They're worried about some guy waking up in the morning. He couldn't sleep last night. He's in a bad mood. He's going to blow the goddamn place up. Well, you could be smart and do that, too. I don't know about I that. Yes, you can. Well, that's Trump. He's smart and he's a leader. Oh, all right. But I'm saying the other, you don't just have to have him. No. There's another yeah. guy. Oh, you got two. You got Adams and Paul DiGiacomo. Who's who? Do you think is a smarter? Who would be a better guy in the mayor's Paul office? Paul DiGiacomo. Okay. Do no. you think anybody out on the street knows who he is? Not really. No. Bruh, okay. No. So what Jeff, is it? My Jeff, job now to make everybody Jeff aware of all these people? Jeff my God, Jeff. I don't have enough to do on a daily basis. Yeah, well, you do spend four hours on the radio every morning talking to millions of people. That's so true. And my next guest, I would contend my <laughs> next guest is smart <laughs> and has charisma, all those things, and very nearly. Was the governor of this state? He did a great job running against Lee Zeldin. Finished second among four very, very good men. Now does his own show here, two to three every Sunday, and joins me every Friday. It's my friend Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good morning. How are you, buddy? Sid, I'm doing well. And you know, the, I think the guy that you were looking for, John Bolton, yes, he reminded me so much of Yosemite Sam. And I got to tell you, it wasn't even because of the big mustache look. It was because he was even more trigger-happy than Yosemite <laughs> Sam. Yeah, right. so you're absolutely right. Yeah, he is the warhawk of all warhawks. And uh, and well, I forgot yeah. you about what the conversation I just had, Andrew. I mean, can you believe, is there any comparison? I mean, any. How much you hate the father or the guy? Any comparison between Jared Kushner and Hunter Biden? Look, Sid, I worked four years side by side with Jared, and I saw just how much he put into this. He didn't need this, right? He's a billionaire. His family is well set up. They're well settled in. They moved their family from New York down to Washington, D.C. And I can tell you, he worked day in and day out to make the American people better. Think about this, too. When we were talking six years ago about Middle East peace, it was like a joke. If you and Bernie would have been talking about Middle East peace back in 2017, 2018, you would have been joking around, oh, yeah, Middle East peace, ha, ha, ha. Guess what? He actually, with the Abraham Accords and Jared Kushner by everybody, whether you like him, whether you don't like him, you have to concede that he is the quarterback of that deal. He actually found a pathway to actually create peace economically in the Middle East. So the actual evidence is right there. Chris Christie is going against the evidence in all this. And actually, Sid, I'm a big believer that Trump should debate that first debate. And I'll tell you why. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the prevent defense if he comes out and just does not debate that first debate. I think he should come on out there. I think he should kick ass in that first debate and then say, you know what, I'm watching the JV from here on in. But I want to see him one time take like down Christie. I want to see him like one time yep. come down and take out Vivek and take down all these guys and say, you know what? Now I'm sitting back to see who my vice president is. I did this. I did it before football season even started. Now let's see who's going to be my vice president. I like that a lot. And, uh, Bo, are you still in Lithuania with your wife's family still? I am still in Lithuania. I'm thinking about moving here, actually. It's wonderful. I don't have to worry about bums in the subway. It's very nice. The food is delicious. I've gained about five pounds. I don't know if I'm going to fit in my suits when I get back. But that's a pretty good issue. I'm having a blast. When are you actually coming home? 
I'm getting home next week. I'm getting next home week. next okay. Tuesday. All right. And we'll be hitting the ground running. I think Kellyanne Conway will be my guest next week on the show. So that's nice. very exciting. Well, is she, she going to take that and, job? Is she going to eventually be Trump's campaign manager or not? You know, Kellyanne is very similar to Trump in terms of they always leave you hanging on the edge of your seat. Like, we really won't know whether Trump, we think Trump won't debate, but he won't really give us an answer, maybe even until the morning of the day. Well, I'll tell you what, here's where where all of a sudden now you're starting to think to your point. I agree with you. I'd love to see him debate. He may actually do it because he's been, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Last week at one of his rallies, Andrew, he actually asked the audience, said, hey, guys, should I debate? And, of course, the overwhelming majority Selfish like me, they know how entertaining he is. They want to see him. So by him asking the crowd that question just last weekend, he's starting to think maybe he's considering, in fact, debating that first one, August 23rd. I also think to the point that you and Lou and Justin made before right there, when you talk about charisma, that's the thing, whether you love Trump or you hate Trump, you have to agree that this guy has more charisma than maybe anybody in modern political history. When you put him up there with DeSantis from a charisma standpoint, whatever you think about the record of the governor of Florida, it's not even close. So I think Trump would actually be losing a real opportunity to show off one of the main strengths of Trump versus one of the main weaknesses of DeSantis on the same stage. That's why I'm a big believer that he should do this. I told him this last last week that I think he should go out there, one and done, do a great job, knock it out of the park, and then sit back and say, let's see the JV team. Agreed. I like it. Uh, You know, it's funny you talk about charisma. If God is good to me, Andrew, I'll be 57 in April. So I was about 13, just getting bar mitzvahed, when Ronald Reagan replaced Jimmy Carter. And I remember... Old enough to remember my dad, God rest his soul, those big gas lines, my father complaining, you know, the hostages in Iran and boycotting the Olympics. And there was this this real feeling, a lack of patriotism in America, which I haven't seen until today. Um, so I remember how welcomed it was to get Reagan in office. And I loved him even then when I was 13. But to your point about charisma, there has never, ever, ever in 46 presidents, dating back to George Washington, and the amount of people who ultimately love to death or hate to death like they do Donald Trump, and that all speaks to charisma. That's whether it's Howard Stern or Don Imus, all these guys. When you love a guy that much or hate a guy that much, that speaks to charisma. Absolutely. Look, you can't. Take your eyes away from him. There's nobody that doesn't have an opinion on Trump. If you ask anybody down the street, you're not going to say, well, I haven't really decided. They love him. They hate him. They'll give you the reasons why they love him. They'll give you the reasons why they hate him. We may agree with the reasons. We may disagree. But you're absolutely right. You have to take a stance on this guy. That's the way he actually is. And I got to tell you, in terms of the national pride and talking about Reagan and specifically where I am right now in Lithuania, you know, it really struck me was walking down the streets of the city that I'm in, in Klaipeda, which is right on the Baltic coast. And I got to see, I, I got to tell you, I saw so many Lithuanian flags. It's the green, the red, the yellow. That's the flag. It actually looks like the Jamaican flag, but it's not the Jamaican flag. I can tell you it's the Lithuanian flag where you're seeing it. All the time. The last time I was in Washington, D.C. was in June. And I have to tell you, in our nation's capital, in the United States of America, I saw 10 times the amount of pride flags than I did American flags in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Think about that. That really struck me just the last couple of days and thinking about Mm. how important it is to have national leadership, national pride, 
and what that means, I think, really for the psyche of a nation. So when you were campaigning governor, and I met you, ironically, on my anniversary. It was June 25th. Yeah. I was celebrating my 30-year anniversary with the beautiful Danielle that night. And I met you on 129. I can promise you that seven-block radius, even more flags <laughs> than Lithuania. Yes? <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, I've never actually seen... Uh, houses that have more flags than they do windows in it. But for some reason, <laughs> in that area of Rockaway, in that area of Breezy Point, in that area, uh, you absolutely do. And, and that's why uh, that's why it seems like – and that's kind of the sad thing also, Sid. And I can tell you, I saw this campaigning time and time again. Whenever you'd see an American flag outside of a house, you kind of knew that that person was Republican. It shouldn't be that way. And it's not always that way, right? You talk about yourself and you led this segment talking about how you're socially liberal and some of the stances that you we may agree upon, we may disagree upon. So you may be the exception to the rule in some ways about that. But I can tell you now more than ever, if you see a, 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 a I almost said Republican flag, American flag outside of somebody's house, you kind of know where their political yep. views stand. You're right. It really shouldn't be that way anymore. And I yep. think sadly... I think the mainstream media, the leftist media, has been a main culprit in all that. They've kind of let Americans get away on this, and they've been able, they've really been able yeah. to uh, you know step on American pride. One thousand percent true. And and if a Democrat does have an American flag outside the House, it won't be the only one. It'll be the gay pride flag too. There'll be a Ukrainian flag because God forbid it's only about America. But when you see, like, in my neighborhood, there are guys that have, like, three American flags. They are Republicans. Now, talking about Democrats, there was a guy that was gaining a little bit of steam. I never really thought he had a chance. He was kind of like DeSantis against Trump. But for what it was worth, RFK Jr. was making a little bit of noise in that race against Biden. There were even some that thought Donald Trump should consider taking him on as his running mate. But he made that ill-advised comment, which was... anti-Semitic. I don't think he's an anti-Semite, but his comment was about COVID, and he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth since. But not for one guy. You and I love this guy, actor Woody Harrelson. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, pretty amazing. Something that I didn't foresee, but I don't know what his relationship is like with Cheryl Hines, who so many people know from Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's RFK's wife. But I think he really ended up striking a tone with so many Americans on just some of the vaccine questioning more than anything, wanting to know whether or not this CDC schedule is appropriate for our kids. It was something, Sid, I have to tell you, that never really was on my radar as an American up until 2020 and up until 2021. Part of that is because I became a father in 2021 and started doing more research into the issue, but also just the way the CDC handled the COVID vaccine, just the way that they ended up handling the mask mandates and all that. And I know you had your main questions about that when you were coming into work every single day during all this, where it was a matter of you have to accept the science or we are going to ostracize you. We're going to cost, we're going to, we're going to make you lose your job. You're going to be thought of as the other here. And I think you're having more and more Americans, more and more legitimate Americans. And look, Woody Harrelson has always been a, a main liberal, but I think he's coming to terms with this. Bill Ackman, who has a major hedge fund, who has gone on CNBC time and time again, he questioned this recently, and people called him nuts. But I think you're seeing more and more people starting to say, hey, you know what? Maybe what RFK Jr. is saying in this scenario, in yeah. this situation, yeah. might actually have real weight. And uh, I think that's why he's gaining momentum. I also think. From a political perspective, Sid, 
he can use this momentum that he's got as leverage against Biden to debase. And what I mean by that is he can go to Biden and say, we can do this one of two ways. We can do this in the Democratic arena. We can do a Democratic debate or I'm going to run third party and I'm going to make your life hell. You know, I uh, tried to book your father twice this week. One time he said yes, and he just didn't call in. He does that to me, Rudy. I love him. You know, I love him, but he does that. So <laughs> I know he was in New Hampshire the day after Trump this week. And I know you were in Lithuania for a couple of weeks, so you're not home here to see your pop every day. But we go back to, to that last indictment, and your dad, I guess, one of those six co-conspirators. Now, I know your father very well, not as well as you, but very well. And he'll basically say, Take that indictment and shove it up your ass. I don't care. I did nothing wrong. The election was stolen. F you. He ain't going to change his mind on that, no matter what they say about him in Georgia. But I'm curious, uh, the few times have you spoken to your father being in a different country, how would you describe, honestly, your dad's mood? Well, don't be offended because it's tough for me to even reach my father. So I don't think you have to be offended by that at all whatsoever. That just ends up being the guy who everybody wants to uh, wants to get in touch. I can tell you, I was with him the day before I left, and I spoke to him one time since I've been over here. He's amazingly optimistic on all of this. He does think that there's going to be charges in Georgia, that there's going to be a potential circus here in Georgia, just like – Myself, he thinks those charges will probably drop the day after a bad news day that Biden has. We highlighted that last week with what Elena Haba ended up saying and highlighting so well in terms of how the Biden Justice Department and the special prosecutors seem to be mopping up duties for Biden here. But he's handling it all very well. Look, he's had a lot of pressure on him the last three years, and I'm just so proud of him as a son for somebody who stood up for what he believes in, who continues to put the truth out there, whether people agree with him or not. And you have to look at this. And I think this is one of the things that I think is so important in all this. If you go beyond the rhetoric, if you go beyond what the media says, if you actually dig into the facts of what Rudy Giuliani presents, you can't come out, if you're unbiased, you can't come out with the very least having questions about what happened in 2020. It doesn't mean you have to believe that Donald Trump won that election. I've said in elections past that I do believe he did. But what it does mean is you have to question the way that the elections were administered from the way that the state legislatures were coerced into changing these election laws uh, in many of these swing states to just the way that Mark Zuckerberg put in a half a billion dollars in order to push these ballot uh, the ballot harvesting. Yeah. So uh, I think from a factual standpoint, he's as sharp as he's ever been, even if he doesn't seem to be calling in to sit on time. <laughs> no offense. He doesn't, call, he doesn't call in to me on time either. He probably Actually, if we did a test, and if you texted him and I texted him, let's do that when we get off the phone. Uh, do it right now. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do it right now. Okay. I'm going to text him right now. You're going to get a head start because I'm going to wait until I get off. So okay. get a head start. You text him now. Okay. When I get off, and then I'm going to text you back if he texts me back first. You okay. let me know, okay? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> and that's a great job, man. Seriously, great, great job. Two to three every Sunday. Don't miss him. Andrew Giuliani, enjoy the rest of your stay with the lovely Z's family. Have a safe trip home. We'll do this again next Friday. Great job, Andrew. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Keep kicking ass. Thanks, man. You too. Andrew Giuliani. I just texted his father. And you did it wrong. You did it. You you didn't even listen to how he said to do it. I did. I'm waiting now. When I get off the phone, we'll both text him. Well, I didn't send it yet. Doesn't matter. Give him a chance. That makes it an actual race. Oh, my God. Wait a second. He's got it. 
Of course he's going to answer you first now because you just you texted him before Andrew. I haven't sent it yet, dickface. Okay. No. Yes, but you said I'm going to do it right now. Let's go. And Andrew is still talking. I'm doing it now. Let's go. Okay. Can I do it now? Now you can do We're it off, off the phone. Was dickface necessary? No, yeah. it wasn't. I, I apologize. I mean, that's why I miss moment through the morning. <laughs> we'll come back with our number four. Now right everybody wants to address dickface. <laughs> Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. boy, Bo Needle, his uh, gorgeous, and she is gorgeous. His uh, lady there, Margot, just landed, or is about to land, I don't know, at Newark Airport, and they're going to make their way into Brooklyn to meet me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, my two kids, and thousands of others at the Kent Theater to watch Inside Man, where I've got a small role. Bo's got a big role, and he's great. He's great. So um, I think Margot's landing right about now. You know, Bo was the guy that really introduced me to Danny. But it wasn't just Bo. There were two people. Danny made a movie called Just Like Us a couple years ago. And he had the premiere at a hotel in New York City. I think it was, I think it's called the Whitby Hotel. It's on like 56th Street and around 5th or 6th Avenue. You know what, Pete? No? Nice place. No, I don't. Nice place. So he had the, uh, the screening there for, for uh, I Love Us, and Bo was there. But the other guy that really played a very, very integral part, who I must mention this morning on this Shabbos, was Heshi Organbaum. In fact, Heshi spoke to Danny A. this morning. Danny A. happens to be in Cyprus as we speak. Heshi has been a dear friend of mine for many years. He, uh, there was a time when he spent a lot of money at this station. He's a great guy. He loves me. Turns out his hospital there, Maimonides, there are a lot of, uh, well, how do I say this nicely, scumbags <laughs> who worked there, and eventually that whole thing fell apart, but not because of Heshi, I can tell you that. Heshi's a good man. He's listening right now. He actually invited me for coffee on Avenue J with the rest of the Jews after the movie. That's probably not going to happen because I'm going for Italian food. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to see a mob movie. I'm not going to have a bagel on Avenue J, but in all seriousness, I do want to thank um Heshi Ogenbaum for his friendship over the years and for helping along with Bo make that introduction. And today's a very exciting day for me. Joe Esposito, former chief of police, checks in. He says, take the tunnel 
He goes on to say something I probably shouldn't read on the air, but I'm going to anyway. Prospect Parkway to Ocean Parkway, a lot of cameras. Well, it's not my car, so <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't care. You know, I haven't driven a car now in six years. It's time. I think I'd be nervous. And I drove, you know, Pete, I couldn't get anywhere in Florida without it. Sure. You remember my studios? I drove everywhere. I drove back and forth, Florida to New York, like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. And now I'm like, um, I'm like a little nervous to drive, I think. I don't know. Been a while. It's like riding a bike. You'd be fine. Is it really? Yeah. The difference is if you fall off your bike, you're going to get a scrape on your elbow. If I crash my car, 10 people are going to die. When are you, when are you going to drive? When you lend me your car. Oh, I thought you were going to drive soon. No, soon. February. Why? Why what? Why are you going to drive? That's also Why not, not soon. That's in February. Well, I understand, but they, 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 well, what happened was, how do I say this nicely? They took my license away. No, I know right. that. We know that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm allowed, I come off of the list. Oh. Yeah. I owe like, uh, I owe a bunch of money to, like, old tickets in New York, so i got to get somebody to wipe that clean for me. Is that illegal? <laughs> There's no reason that you need to drive anywhere. Well, you yeah. know the mayor. That's true, but he wouldn't help me with that. Not, not, just, trust me. Trust me. Voice. He would actually take my money for the tickets and give it to the migrants. I oh. swear he would. He would. Oh. Yeah. Oh. You know, uh, one of the things about living where I live, too, besides this uh, great Rockaway Republican Party, again, congratulations to Mary Glynn and uh, Joe Harkins and Mary Harkins is everybody in that community helps. So, for example, my next-door neighbor, Billy Felton, is a fireman. So when we had the huge flood, I have no idea how to shut off the water. Billy came in, shut the water off. Okay. Across the street from Billy is Lenny Siazza. He's like the biggest plumber in the neighborhood. So Lenny came over the next day and figured out which pipes of mine actually burst. These are all my neighbors. Yep. Down the block, I got an exterminating guy. But the one issue I keep having is no one can fix my damn air conditioning system. Your guy even showed up to me one time to take a look at it. Right. Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no one came to fix it. And this time of year, you can't go a day, let alone a week, without a working AC. So I finally found a guy. His name is Fred Castro. He's right. a gr- you know Fred Castro? Yeah, we sent him to a Yankee game. That's right. Yeah. Very good. So I finally found a guy, his name is Fred Castro, mm-hmm. and uh, his wife is Gloria, and he came and he fixed it. And thank God we've got air conditioning. So right now, all the improvements and all the work I've done on my house, I can almost stop at every door and say, he did it, he did it, she did it. Do you have that in Witchwood, New Jersey? Mm, not really, right? Not really, yeah. I mean, you've been to my community. We've had lunch together, and sure, you've yeah, seen my border bit. at the house. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a very tight-knit community. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It really is. You People get, really, like, we go out to the basketball game for Gabriel on a Tuesday night, and the whole community shows up, whether they have kids or not, Yeah, just to root on other people's kids. There's a lot of that where I where I live, but not so much where, you know, the plumber's there and the, the fireman's there. Yeah. And that stuff. It's yeah. a little bit more dispersed. You guys right. are nice and tight and, you know, Everybody's on the block, the whole bit. It's Everybody's cool. hanging out. It is cool. And the American flags. Oh, it's great. Isn't it unbelievable? Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. It is a great area. Proud Lou's American, been living right? there forever. Lou, how long have you been in that area now? How many years, you and MJ? Uh, two, uh, uh, 23 minus uh, about seven, 16, 17 years. Because I remember wow. that dump you lived in in Queens before. <laughs> Which 
which don't. I don't know. It was, I remember it was like in the backyard. I remember there was like a fire escape. Maybe it was a back door, okay, White well, House. You, that's you got none of that correct. Uh, okay. So far. No, no fire escape. <laughs> well, was, so no, maybe it was a back. Was I living with the Bowery Boys? It was a back door or something. It was like a White House. Um, Were you talking about Astoria days? I think the Astoria days. Yeah, because yeah. you didn't know that I lived in two other places. So, yes, that was a. Wait, so you lived in two other places in After. between Astoria and Rockaway? Right. Oh no, kidding. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. I I did, and then was one, so you've never left Queens, it's not since college, right? Wow, you're like a real Queens guy. Yeah, that's what they call me when I come in. They go, Queens hey, guy, Mr. Queens, <laughs> <laughs> you're the real Queens. king of Queens. That's me. Forget yes. about uh, Kevin James. Oh, that's right. You're the real king of Queens. Yeah, they knew, realized my schedule was too busy to film the actual show, so they went with <laughs> Kevin James. <laughs> No, that's yes. Yeah. So I lived in that dump with the uh, fire escape. Yeah, that one. I remember that place. Yeah, yeah right. The hellhole that place. Yes. Terrible. Fred Mertz was two uh, stories up. Oh, yes. my God. You know what happened? You know, on, 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 Fred Mertz. You know who? On, Lucy, come back here. Dave Bunzel's father died last week. How, how, wow. It was just you... a random thing. I, I was on Facebook. It's got to be Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Course. I was like, it's and cool. I never knew Dave Bunzel's father, but. You and I were like the only people that really talked to him. Yeah, I know. I found him fascinating. Uh, me too. So yes. his father died last oh, week. Oh, that's so. uh, D- uh, Dave. I'm very sorry. All right, very good. Uh, no, we... <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. So are you going to Nantucket tomorrow? I am. So what, what is the, uh, the... It was very sweet. That's very nice. So what is the Morgan family <laughs> doing in Nantucket? <laughs> we, do what, we, we probably do what Justin did. What do you do? Relax, go to the beach. <laughs> You're not doing what I did. Getting the, well, that's true. <laughs> no, no, you don't do what Justin not doing what I did. I'll be doing what you right. did. Yeah. Well, same age. Uh, I don't even know about that. I don't yeah. think ex-cons have been we're doing what <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I mean, unless you've got a bunch of midgets and some cocaine, you're not doing what Justin's doing. So you guys go to the beach and what else? Totally chill, relax, beach. Yeah. There's a pool. You've been going there for up. years, Nantucket. Like 13 years now. It's a long time. Yeah, it's Is great. it that nice? I've I mean, never been there. It's really nice. The weather is unbelievable. You know, it's 95 and humid here. Yeah. It's 78 or 81 there. So you've, with a never, nice you've never had the urge to go to the Jersey Shore, no, for example? We, we went to LBI many years. Is that know? Long Beach Island? Yeah. Yeah. My neighbor Many Louis years. Gampero goes there. Yeah, that's that's nice, but it's much more humid. You like Nantucket much more? more. It's more. I think it's more congested and. Yeah, Justin, you'd say the same. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Joseph Abu checks in. So great to hear Pete's voice with all of you guys. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Joseph likes oh, Nantucket. I love Joseph. He likes. I tell you, when when my dad passed away, and we had to get away, and we drove to Newport, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. I I fell in love with that place. Nice. I loved it. You've been there, I'm sure, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Not as nice as Nantucket? Yeah, it's different. How's yeah. that? I don't even know. Nantucket's how... 30 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. It's hard to get to. And it's you need a ferry to get there. Island, you need a ferry or you can fly in. That's like Capri in Italy. Yeah. You had to take a boat to get there. I love but, that. You know, it, it's limited. There's car ferries. It's very hard to get a car onto the island. And uh, they have a little bus shuttle that goes all over the island. I know Justin takes advantage of that. And yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah, it's okay. just great. It's uh, it's peaceful. It's quiet. The water's cold though. The water's cold. The water is cold. Yeah. How about sharks? They're oh, it's cold. There's probably no sharks. No, they've had their fair amount of sharks. Though. They have. Yeah. Does that make you nervous? Would you not go in the water now? Or no, I, if there's sharks, I'm not going in the water. <laughs> no, but what if you don't know? And well, because, well I would be out that deep. <laughs> you, never my, know you know that lady that got uh, chomped on in Rockaway? She wasn't even that deep. She was barely in the ocean. I know. Well, you know, just bad luck, right? They have. They have people looking out all the time. Sure. On the Cape, and then, of course. Well, so did Roy Scheider was looking out, and uh, the little kid got eaten right off the rest. 
My ass is not going to be eaten by a shark. I can tell you that. It's not happening. <laughs> okay. I think Dave Bunzel goes out on a regular basis. <laughs> Dave Bunzel. All right. We got, uh, now how do you say this gentleman's name? I know I know him. Yeah. Frank DiMatteo. Uh, d- God. Frank DiMatteo. D- he knows how to say it. DiMatteo. Frank- there you go. Frank so DiMatteo. Yeah, Frank Morano set this up. This guy has a uh, magazine. He did a story on me like 20 years ago. Mob Candy. Is that what it's called? Mob Candy Magazine. Yes. And he's a guy that knows everything about every mob family ever. So when you say Roy DeMeo and the crew from Gemini Lounge, Frank DiMatteo knows exactly what you're talking about. So we'll talk to Frank about the real-life crew of the movie Inside Man. Why don't we just do this show from Sicily from now on? <laughs> oh, my God. Every name. Uh, we'll talk to Frank right after this. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
perfect, baby. Limelight, living in the limelight by Rush. Frank DiMatteo, this is a very interesting guy. I've forgotten I did an interview with him many, many years ago, decades ago, for something called Mob Candy Magazine. First of all, thank you to Frank Morano for setting this up. Frank, uh, the former magazine publisher and distributor, grew up in the Gallo family. You know, I mentioned the Gallo family earlier. Albert Kid Blass Gallo was in my backyard quite a bit. He was related to my next-door neighbor who died last Friday, Louis Iovine. So I knew the Gallo family well, and uh, Kevin Breslin has become a good friend of mine. His father, Jimmy Breslin, wrote the great book, The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. Frank uh, DiMatteo also went on to publish porn magazines in the 70s and 80s. Claims to have been brought up, quote, in the life. Here's a quote from Frank. When I was a young guy, I ran around with some people known to have a lot of contacts. Let's put it that way. His father, Richard was a bodyguard to Larry Gallo, boss of the Gallo family. So with that said, on this Inside Man opening day, I'll be at the movie theater in Brooklyn in about two hours, Frank DiMatteo. Frank, it's been a while. How are you, buddy? Good, Sid. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I forgot, but you did a really good job. You know, for I actually had the column that you did on me framed, and it hung up. In my sports show in West Palm Beach, 640 Sports on the wall for like two years. You did a great job. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. What, thank uh, you. Did, were you friends you with, with, uh, with we were, Mick? Were yeah. you friends with Mick Mazzulli back then too? Or no? Mick, Mick's the one that brought me to you. Yes, that's what it yes. was. The mixer. All right, now it's yes. all coming back. Well, how are you, Frank? Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Are you still I'm down good. in South Florida? I'm in. I'm you know I'm a Brooklyn boy, but I, I got a place in Florida. Yes, I'm yeah. back and forth. Do, do you come back and forth, or not really? You just stay there. Yes. No, I come back and forth. I'm leaving back for Florida in September for a couple of months, and I come back and forth. Okay, cool. So uh, you have no problem, Frank, telling people that you kind of grew up in and around it. You know, you talk about your father Richard and all your friends in the Gallo crime family. So. That really was your life. Uh, you were in Brooklyn, I guess, uh, during that time, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, well my father was a bodyguard for, you know, Joey G- uh, Larry Gallo. So, you know, you're around all these guys as, as a kid. You grew up with them. It seems like a normal thing. So you don't see anything differently. So yeah. to me, it was just an everyday, you know, uh, a normal everyday to see these characters around. And then that's how I wound up getting involved. My father wanted me to drive, trustworthy, and, and that's how I started with yeah. In fact, so was the Gallo family, and if I'm wrong on some of this, feel free to correct me. I'm not. I'm by no means a mob expert. I play them now in the movies, yes. two in a row now. Uh, but the Gallo family, was that Gambino? What, what crime family was that? That was Pafacci. Joe Pafacci's uh-uh. old family gotcha. that turned into Joe Colombo family. Colombo, got it. Because I got a call yesterday. It's pretty cool, actually, Frank. Turns out that uh, Joe Pistone, a.k.a. Donnie Brasco, who eventually infiltrated mm-hmm. the Bonanno family, he listens yes. to me every day, loves me. And he saw me in the uh, TV show Gravesend, which I'm in on Amazon Prime. Not the movie I'm in today, but the TV show. And he thought I was right. great. And he called in yes. to talk about his days infiltrating, you know, Lefty and Sonny Black and all those mm-hmm. guys in the Bonanno crime family. Yes. Friends of mine, too. They are friends of yours. Well, Sonny Black, was, I used to go see Sonny Black once a week. Wow. At the Motion Lounge. So, you know, yeah, I ran a, I ran a, a wildlife and uh, didn't get caught. I was lucky. 
Yeah. And now I got the time to sit around and, and, and tell jokes about it and, and talk. Right. Thank God for that, Frank. So, yeah, you're right. So so he hung out uh, at that point when he was with the FBI at the Motion Lounge. But the movie mm-hmm. that I'm in is all about the Gemini Lounge. Again, I'll be in Brooklyn in two hours watching the, the movie at the Kent Theater. And it was exciting. Wow. Frank, I flew out to Los Angeles two years ago. And Danny A., who's a big-time actor, he's done stuff for years about the mob, made a movie, Mob Town, The Irishman, all that stuff. Bo Deedle, mm-hmm. he's done a bunch of mob stuff. So long story short, he plays Roy DeMeo. I played Dracula, who was DeMeo's cousin. You know who he was. I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the movie opens up in about two hours. So for folks that are fascinated by that whole DeMeo, Gemini Lounge story, tell us about that. Hey, listen, they were bad guys. Uh, how we got involved, and we know Roy to the you know, the chop shops and stuff like that. That's how we knew Roy DeMeo. But uh, if I'm mistaken, I mean, you're going back a long time ago, a good friend of ours uh, named Bobby Brooksy, he had the liquor license for that place, Gemini. And he was good friends with us. So we had a bar on Mill Avenue, not far from Gemini, and they used to go back and forth because, we, you know, you go to their place, we go to their, our place. So the guys... With the mayor used to come into our restaurant, the, the bar, and then we used to go with the Gemini. Uh, and listen, to me, it was a normal place. I never, I honestly, I never saw anything. Uh, but those, I knew them. I know, I know the guys, and they were, they were tough guys. They were crazy, and and I think the drugs is what put them over over the top. So and back then, it was a lot of cocaine used back then, right? All yeah, over. Right. This put you over the top. If you if you're a borderline crazy like most of us are, yeah. And then, you, and then you want to take drugs? Nah, nah. The mix don't. It's not good, man. <laughs> so, so was that common practice that like different members of different families would go to another family's bar? I don't, you see, again, I, I, I don't know enough about this. I would think you would stay in your own place, but you guys mix no, around. Always did because listen, you have, um, uh, you know, you got to do business. Uh, if I, you have a connection, and you, unless you're Gambino and I'm a Colombo, if if I if I got bonds or, or and I can't get rid of them. Who you go to? You go to other criminals in the, in the organization, and you go to them. Hey, I got bonds. Can you, can you get rid of them? So you need everybody because we all have different connections. You know what I mean? So I don't know about people not getting along. The only, only time people don't get along if there's a beef yeah. or war. Otherwise, right. everybody inter- interacts every day because you can't do it on your own. I mean, people don't know that because you got to be in this life to know that. Yeah. But uh, trust me. People interact every day, and and just like the the, the Gambino guys, the the Mayo, they they dealt with everybody else. You they know? did, so, but but I, you know, like so. I know the people were pissed at Gotti, for example. I still have friends in Howard Beach, and they don't talk nicely about him, and I I get like personally offended. I didn't know him all that well. I knew him a little bit, but but I always thought he was great. You know, you he, he cared, and if he didn't mess with John, he didn't mess with you. But they were like, nope, too high profile. A lot of my friends got you know mad because of him and got them all jobbed up, blah blah blah. And they don't like him. And and DeMeo, what I heard, Frank, was that he also pissed off a lot of guys in the mob because he would go around town bragging, not that he killed somebody, you guys did that all the time, but chopping them up upstairs and eating eating the body parts. And he became, I guess, a liability because he would brag around town about some of this stuff. And I heard that even mobsters thought it was grotesque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Roy wasn't well-liked at all. It was out of control. He did shit we don't normally do. Excuse my language. He does stuff we normally don't do. Very few people do things like that. Chop up people and, uh, and enjoy it. 
So he was it was always a liability. Anytime people get too crazy and out of control, you, you become a liability, and and you're going to go. And they, they listen. They were dealing in junk. They're not supposed to deal with. They were dealing. Uh, um, they were doing a lot of things they weren't supposed to be doing in the first place. You know, they were they were given envelopes, but after a while. These guys up on the top are so fat, they don't need the envelope. They'd rather get rid of the trouble. Yeah. And that's what happens. And you wind up going. So and, I heard that uh, this is uh, Frank uh, Timoteo. This is great, by the way, Frank. Thank you. I love you, man. Thank you. Uh, I heard that, um, I guess it was Paul Castellano, who eventually was taken out by Gotti's guys, that uh, took out DeMeo. Is that true? Do you know? He ordered it because they had a lot of he- headaches coming from DeMeo. And and, Paul, and Paulie didn't like stuff like that because he was like more of a white collar guy. So he wanted uh, after a while he wanted him, you know he wanted him out. It was too much of a of a headache, and that's what he did. Sent down the the hit, and and then that was, was it. Gone. So I mean, because I know they never they never found Dracula's body. He was pretty active in that crew, and the tester tester's still in jail, and Anthony he's still in jail. You know those guys too, Frank. Sure, but I don't think Dracula's dead. I I don't think they killed him. I don't think that, well, they uh, never found his body. They think he's like Elvis living someplace else right now in Florida yeah, or something, right? I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know they killed him. Um, well, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know I either. Know the, I, yeah, I didn't know I that. I don't know. Um, but, 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 but the, the, I, I sat with him many times in the bar having a drink with him. Yeah. Because so, yeah. well, yeah, with me, he would act normal. You know, trying to scare the people, they do that to who they had to scare. Yeah. But when you go, as if you're going as a friend or an acquaintance, they, they, they act completely different. So. Yeah. I had no problem, you know, the few times I sat there. Do, do until you, I was told not to, until I was told not to go to the place no more either. Stay out of there, right? Do, do, you, do you think yeah. that? Uh, forget about Tessa; he's never getting out. But do you think uh, Anthony's got a chance of getting out of prison at some point? No, I don't think so. I don't think. I think they're still too young. You know, unless they're sickly, you know, yeah. maybe. But yeah. no, I don't think so. I mean, they did some bad stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. say so. So, uh, so uh, let me ask you about the uh, the Castellano Gotti thing. When when Gotti decided, and the urban legend is, you know, I'm tied with Louis Russo and his brothers over at Gargiulo's that it was at that restaurant where John Gotti invited all the the big shots there and told him that night about one o'clock in the morning, I'm now in charge. That may or may not be true. I don't know. But were you all for that um, for Gotti? Uh, what he did to Paul Castellano? You know. Yeah, we, you know, I was never with that that crew. So yeah. whatever they do, they do. I mean, you, you know, uh, I, I met John a few times prior to because Bobby Borriello was a good friend of us. So uh, I mean, he was a tough guy. If, if you liked him, you liked him. If you didn't, you didn't. You know, you could say Monday morning quarterback stuff that you didn't like John and he pulled it. The guy was a gangster. I mean, I mean, you know, now you now we're gonna start. Predicting which how they should act. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is how they are. They're all maniacs. They're all egotistical. They're all murderers. This is how they get. And they, and people want them to act normal. Say, oh, they. <laughs> I know, but but but, but they but they did get man. You know the the fancy suits and you know yeah. welcoming the cameras and you know yeah. and 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 did, I mean did that bother people around you about Gotti? Well, no, no, but it didn't bother us because it didn't reflect on us. But but it, it's always opinion. But listen, it, Gotti was. Uh, flamboyant and the suits on like that. There was hundreds of guys like that. The only and that was flamboyant and went to clubs and and, and smiled and, and liked the, the the publicity. Just that he was uh, he was uh, you know turned into a boss. Yeah, and he's you know more you can pick on him more. You know what I mean? But he, uh, but hundred guys like that. You know, but I mean that's that was his style. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't. You know, 
that was his style. You know, to make a decision on it as a, as a as a civilian or you know, how bright we are on, on gangster stuff. No, I don't have no opinion on it. That's why he did it. Guys do it differently. You know, I was with Joey Gallo for the short time he was, and he did it different too. So, I mean, who to say who's right or wrong in in a, in a world that's all wrong? That's fair to say. So a lot of folks believe that when John Gotti was done, that was the end of the mafia. Now, of course, that is so naive and stupid. It's not worth discussing. We know that's not true. Of course, it's not true. But, but, but it may have meant the end of the, I guess, the public mafia. Because we saw Gotti on TV all the time. And now the man on the street, he'll be hard-pressed to find out who's a capo, who's a soldier, who's a boss. We just don't know anymore since John. Is that fair to say? Hundred percent. Everybody went under underground. Yeah, you can't tell who's who no more. Nobody's too flamboyant anymore. Uh, everybody's uh, hiding from cameras and cell phones and still trying to make a living. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you know, a, a lot of crews are a week right now because they got a lot of indictments going on. You know, you got the Sicilian the crew that's still in the Gambinos now that's trying to control over there that they're low key. So it's a whole uh, mix up. You know, it's going on in that world. But Joe, you know what Joe Stone yeah. told me yesterday? The he, of course he, he was Donnie Brasco, great movie Johnny Depp. Yeah. You know, he said, "Let me tell you how it's changed since Gotti." He said, "Yeah, they're still active. There's no doubt about it." But there was a time when if the mafia was after you, you you better be afraid. He said, "Now I'd be more nervous about the Albanians or the Russians than I would the Italians." What do you, what do you say? Yeah, they lost the mystique. Yeah, they lost yeah. the power. Yeah, definitely. Because when you're outgoing and flamboyant, everybody's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're more of a figure. You're more of you know what you're doing. And after all these years and years and years with all these rats and informants and everything like that, it took away, you know, it took away the power of it. So people laugh at them now. Not you're not laughing at no one's face. I guarantee. No, that. I guarantee you. Right, right, right. I guarantee you that. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, but. But uh, they're laughing behind their back. I hear all the time. But, you know, you lost your power. You had it so long. You know, you wounded yourself. So, you know, I wouldn't cry about it right now. I was lucky. We walked away many years ago. I was just a lucky guy, you know. Uh, so I'm glad you did. Uh, and I'm glad that. And watch, uh, and yeah. Watch. And I keep on watching, watching, watching. And I scratch my head and say, wow. Yeah. They're still, they're still messing up. They're still messing up. I mean, you're still using cell phones. You're still using the, on the phone. Don't give you a crack. The head's open. Yeah. I mean, you can't well, do that. But, no but, but I saw something last week where one of the big guys and one of the big crime families got arrested because they use their cell phones and they think they're being sharp when they, they use, like, code words. They're you know, like, hey, did you get the pepperoni last week? And the yeah. FBI and these guys are not stupid. So. You know, I used to think the mob was smarter. I mean, they think they're going to use, you know, the Italian delicacies as code words, and no one's going to figure it out? Really? Yeah. Yeah. They I mean, didn't on. grow, man. Yeah. They didn't grow. Yeah. They didn't grow. The fact that you've heard it back in a lot of ways. I mean, they just, the law is so smart right now. I mean, 30, 30 35 years ago, we were using code words, and, and we got we got pinched on them, and, and we got convicted. And now, 35 years later, you want to start saying the same stupid stuff. Right, I mean, stupid. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, yeah. I scratch my head today. You know what I mean, yeah. it was a smarter world, more educated. It, you, you learn off mistakes because everything is publicized, all the mistakes. You think you would read or, you know, or, or pick up on it? They don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want? That's why I stay home and write. You're smart. Just do that. Do you still have uh, the money you got from the, the uh, Lufthansa heist? Or is that all gone by now? 
I'm kidding. I wasn't involved with that. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, that was quite a crew, too, by the way. Those guys, in, uh, it wasn't your family, but those uh, Goodfellas guys are pretty good, huh? They were, hey, listen, man, you know, every family had a crew of guys that were, that were good at what they did, made a ton of money. Uh, the, problem at the, the problem at the end with this new, in the last 35 years is it, it, a lot of drugs involved and a lot of people are, are out of their minds. Yeah, and 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 they they get this paranoia, and you wind up taking people out, and you scare the people away. Uh, that's why you get a lot of informants coming around now because uh, they see what's going on, and they say, "Wow, I, you know, I do so much work for you. You get paranoia, and you kill me. What am I here for?" Mm. You know what I mean, mm. so now they give you up in a minute. So mm. it's just like it's just it's just there's no more love for each other. When I was with Joey and Larry and those guys, I loved those guys. It, it, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't just, you know, uh, you're with somebody. I was, we were gangsters. We, you, we had a, a feeling for someone. Sure. You know what I mean? They don't have that no more. Now it's just uh, you're a gangster or you're a criminal or you're with somebody. But there's no uh, yeah. love there no more. That sucks. Well, listen, man, it's uh, great to catch up with you again. Uh, you're okay. Nobody wants to kill you. Nothing like that, right? You're good, right? You're gonna... I don't know. Maybe some more books. I don't care either way. <laughs> I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to die one way or another. Maybe no, no, it. no. We want to keep you around for a long time, Frank. So, I'm, I'm, I'm write another book, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> now, this was great. And uh, I hope you will go see the movie. And then I want to talk to you again on this show after the movie to see if you think that uh, we got it right. Inside Man opening in theaters today. This was a great conversation, Frank. I love talking to you. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you for hopping on and stay well. You got it. Give me a call. I'm here. Thanks, sir. Thank you, Frank. Frank DiMatteo, that was great. And I enjoyed that. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, that's it for me. People love that uh, Frank DiMatteo interview, including Wiener. Thank you very much. Pete Morgan, have a safe trip. Enjoy um, enjoy that beautiful Nantucket. Thank you, bro. One thing to my brother, keep recovering on your hip surgery. You look great down there. All right, there you have it. Wow. Listening in Texas right now. All right, Mr. Morgan. And thank you for the uh, four tickets, Giants, Cowboys, week one. I appreciate that. Uh, Lou Rufino, great job this week as always. You're a stud. Justin Ellick, you too. Noam Layden, you as well. Happy belated birthday to my friend Rob Napolitano. Listens every day. I'm on the way to Brooklyn. Going to check out Inside Man. Hope you both get to watch it at home, at least on demand this weekend. We'll do this again on Monday morning. Until then, folks. 